Hello and welcome to episode 85 of NPS We Trust, a PlayStation podcast. My name's Davey and joined with me, as always, is the fine wine himself, Mr. Philip Hoy. How'd you like the taste of freedom? Say hello to democracy. (laughs) (laughs) Now, Phil, you and me are alone this episode. Spencer, unfortunately, is not able to make it today, so we are doing a duo cast. So this is this is a rare thing. You and me don't often get chance to be alone on the mic. It's, it's normally myself and Spence for the Christmas time. So I'm quite excited about today. Yeah, me too. I'm full of energy, but um, we've got to pour one out for poor Spencer. The bugs got him. They did. They did. The bugs got him. Not everyone makes it back from a mission. You know, sometimes you've got to leave something behind. And that thing is unfortunately the boy wonder this episode. But hopefully he'll be back in the next episode. Hopefully, hopefully he feels a bit better. But... Listeners, we have got a stacked show for you, as always. I seem to be saying that every single episode, and today is no different. So we got the normal word of the show in terms of a random question. We're going to pull out the ether, move it into what we've been playing, then cycle on down to the quick news. We've got a stack of news in there for you, and then rumors out the wazoo. we got so many today, it seems like as if there's been hardly any big news, but just rumors abound so we are going to be covering that we've got two actual rumors we're going to leave in rumor has it and then one we're going to spin off into a topic as well oh loads of stuff for us to speculate on phil absolutely loads of stuff but first off i understand you've brought a question to the table today it has and this episode is going to be an absolute juicer i kind of feel like spencer's done it on purpose he saw the hmm. doc earlier he logged on he read through a couple of the paragraphs and he thought do you know what i'm out Cut me loose. I'm going to play Helldivers tonight. I'm not I'm not casting with the boys. <laughs> Jesus Christ, that's a lot to talk about. Yeah. And to be fair, I don't blame him either, if that's the case. I mean, we'll be talking about it pretty soon in what we've been playing, but Jesus Christ, I do not blame him whatsoever. In fact, I was quite tempted just to sack it off myself. You know, oh, fuck it. <laughs> you know, Super Earth's got Super Earth, Super Earth has got his claws in me, bro. And I've got to defend democracy. Who else is going to spread the good word of doc- democracy and capitalism to these bugs? No one else. we got to do it. It falls on these shoulders, doesn't it? Mine and yours. Once we're finished, we'll be straight on um, to squash some bugs. Hopefully, Spencer will be joining us a little later. But without him, we'll try and do our best with this podcast and do him justice. Now, you talked about a question. And I thought to myself, where should I go with this hypothetical? And actually, I thought, screw the hypothetical. Let's bring this into reality. Because guess what night it is? Guess when we're recording, listeners, viewers? It is Super Bowl Sunday. Hoo-ha! At Las Vegas, 11.30 tonight, GMT, the Kansas City Chiefs, take on San Francisco 49ers. And I've got a question for you, Davey. Who are you backing in the Super Bowl tonight? (laughs) Dude. This couldn't be asked to anyone worse than me. I, I we were. <laughs> I literally. You can already. Know. You can already see the title <laughs> of this clip. Two British people talk about American football because listeners, <laughs> we have not got a clue. As much as I'm wearing an Orlando Magic T-shirt and I know a little bit about basketball, when it comes to American football. I know nothing. I took down a few notes earlier because I thought I'd stitch you right up and ask you a Super Bowl question. Who are you backing? Chiefs or 49ers? 
Who knows? Who knows, right? <laughs> I've Googled a few Mate. names if you want them. I've got a few stats for you if it's going to help you make up your mind. Okay, so the Kansas City Chiefs, they, they are 14 to 6 at the moment. And the okay. San Francisco 49ers are 14 to 5. So I'm assuming the San Francisco 49ers, they have a slightly better record in the stats. I'm assuming it's 14 wins to five losses. Is that how you read this? I'm unsure. Maybe some of our viewers and listeners, they're screaming at us because I know the analytics. We get a heavy viewership over in the States. So sorry, guys, you need to write in and explain Super Bowl to us because I am going to foggiest. All right, what I want to know is how can these Americans be so up their own ass that they just call it football? It's wild, football. isn't it? Like, can you imagine that? Like, we have a clear distinction between rounders and baseball. Rounders is for girls, baseball's for the boys, Whoa. right? And we don't play Whoa. we don't play baseball over here, really. There's a small contingent, but we got our own sports. And there they are. They see the name of football and they think, oh, that sounds pretty good. Why don't we use that for a sport that doesn't involve feet and balls very often? It's most like you kick it once and then just peg it. And then it seems to be, whenever I see it, it seems to be one of those sports that is for people with like ADHD. You got very limited attention because you kick it and then there's a tackle and it just ends. And then it's like, okay, now we can set up. So then there's people with ADHD, they can check Twitter, they can look at their phone, they can have a quick wank, whatever it is. And then, oh, now I've got to pay attention for the next 30 seconds. And that's it. And it's 30 second increments for like two hours or something daft. Whereas a normal sport, you know, like we play over here in Britain and in, you know, developed parts of the world everywhere else other than america we play normal football right we play or they call it soccer and that you've got to pay attention for 45 minute increments you know and something when extra time's on or penalties extra all this stuff it could be a lot longer and sure you might have an injury you might have a foul uh you know a throw in things like this to you know maybe catch people and think, oh, God, maybe I don't have to pay attention for the next minute or so. But it's a lot more than these set plays they do with it. Like, 52, 49, 76, hot. And all I know about American football is it's solely based from movies. That That is it. Literally, I've never sat down to watch it. Every time I've seen it, I've seen, like, some good tackles. And I think, ooh. But then I remember they're all padded up. And I think, uh, it's not really as impressive then. Whereas, like, rugby, I think, is way overrated in this country. There's six nations at the moment going on. Way overrated sport. It's just people passing ball down a line. And that's it. That's all they do in rugby. It's that and the occasional kick, and then you start passing it down a line again. And, and that's that's rugby in a nutshell, right? Everyone's like, oh, did you see that play? And I was like, they just <laughs> ran in a line, passing the ball down, right? I don't get it, Dad. But, yeah, um, I'm going to go for this one, mate. Uh, let's go for the Chiefs. Do you say the Chiefs? <laughs> do you say they? Do you say they're playing? Is that one of them? The Chiefs and the 49ers. And I'm glad you've exhausted your sporting knowledge there because you've flip-flopped <laughs> from soccer to football to rugby. To rugby. And yeah, I, yeah. I think you've alienated everybody who listens to the podcast. Anyone that's interested in a sport, I think you've offended there in your opener to answer the Kansas City Chiefs as your choice here. So you're going with Team Patrick Mahomes. He's the one that's dating that pop star at the moment that everyone's going on about. Taylor Swift? Does that mean you're a Swifty, Davey, in, in disguise over there? I think everyone's a bit of a Swifty, aren't they? A heart. Like, I don't, I wouldn't ever say I am a Swifty, but I did appreciate the AI porn. 
they brought up. <laughs> so, you know, you win some, you win some. You, may, I, you know, I wasn't really into it. I wasn't really into Taylor Swift, to be honest. But seeing her surrounded in a gym locker room with, you know, numbers written on her, on her chest, yeah, I'm all, apparently I'm all for that. So, yeah, apparently I'm a Swifty now. Good to know. And I, and I think I'll probably join you in that sentiment that the Kansas City Chiefs, I think they are the favourites for this one. So I'm told by the odds because I may not like American football, but I do like betting. So I've put some bets on later, just some speculative bets, just to see what will happen. And listening to Talk Sport earlier, they were all for the Kansas City Chiefs. So I've put a couple of quid on them to see what comes in tonight. So fingers crossed, Patrick Mahomes brings it in and then stuffs Taylor Swift celebrate puts her through the brick wall <laughs> puts her through the headboard mate definitely absolutely definitely with his super super bowl ring on they win a ring don't they like isn't that what they're playing for you get some kind of ring and they're all like mega happy about it I think so i think so because like golf they get jackets don't they when they win yeah. the open um american football they win the ring the Super Bowl ring. But but again, all my knowledge, you, you say all your knowledge comes from movies. So I'm assuming Ace Ventura here because you're talking yep. about a championship ring with the Miami Dolphins. My right. knowledge comes from John Madden, the original Mega Drive version of John Madden, because that was one of the launch titles that I had with my original Mega Drive. And I remember as a, as a, as a kid plugging that in and not fucking having a clue. What was going on? Because it was the most kind of dull game ever. You were, you would load in, you would choose a team you'd never heard of. There was no Liverpool or Manchester United on this game. I had to choose who <laughs> knows. I just chose a red team, okay, to face the blue team. And then it would come up with eight or ten different plays. And then, as you said, there was a little bit of action. And I didn't know if I was doing good or I was doing bad, but I quickly got rid of that game, put it on the shelf with the rest of them, and played, I think it was Alien Swarm was the game that I spent oh, the majority of my time, if you remember that. So let's move it on, yeah. Alien Swarm, do you remember that? It was a bit like Golden Axe, but you had like three different kind of, um, like, there was a big muscly guy, there was a woman in yellow, and there was like a robot with a whip. Yes, he was my boy. He was my boy, the go. robot dude. He was so sick. And you know, like, you all of a sudden you have these games that just like, stick in your head somewhere alien swarm yeah. i swear i think about it like every couple of weeks and i can never remember what it's called but as soon as you said it it just immediately flowed back in that game was sick that game was so good and there's another one as well that was and i can i can never remember the, the name of this and it was on mega drive where you're a cowboy and you can play two player and you shoot guns across the screen so it's just all with a revolver and people would like open up like like in, in the bar or whatever. They'd open up the windows to lean outside to shoot you. And you just got to dodge projectiles and stuff. But you're a cowboy. And you could slide across the floor as well, if I remember. That game was baller. And it had a great, like, a great theme as well. If anyone knows that game, please let me know. Put it in the comments below because I haven't got a clue. My time was spent pretty much between a little bit of John Madden going, this is shit, don't know what's going on bit of alien swarm and then the vast majority of my time i remember loving a game called toe jam and earl do you remember that game it was two kind of alien creatures and you had to wander around kind of like a map that was the majority smoked out and then you would figure out how to get to different levels by going down an elevator and it was very bill and ted 
um, inspired, I believe, because every time you went in an elevator, there was definitely jokes going on that maybe as a, as a child at the time I didn't get. But I think as an adult, if I was revisiting them, I would totally get. It's a bit like Ren and Stimpy if we were getting all these references, but that's where I spend the majority of my time. Anyway, to loop this back around, Kansas City Chiefs is our pick for tonight. Hoo-ha! Go, Patrick. You know this means straight away they've lost, right? By the time the audience listens to this, because we cannot get a single prediction right. And and I, I might want to skip ahead a little bit here, but do you know that Ed, the date for Ed for Street Fighter Six got announced, right? So we all yeah. put our bets on. We're miles out, all of us. And we're all but wrong. All wrong. Before we put before we put a decider on that and we, you know, announce shots or whatever, I think for that we'll just hang fire until Capcom Cup. Because who knows? They may say, oh, we told you the 27th, you know, three days after Capcom Cup that Ed's coming out, but let's make it tonight, baby. And then let's announce Akuma. So let, let's just hang fire just in case there's some hope for us, right? What we could do is see who's the closest, couldn't we, when it comes to the Akuma pick? Because I said there was nothing at all from Akuma. I think you said he would feature as well as being playable and i think spencer said he was just going to feature something along those lines anyway but we'll work it out when we sift through the past couple of shows to work out who got the shot and who didn't but i think at the moment we're all losers yeah i think so so sorry uh chiefs you've probably lost because we're backing you and we never get a single prediction right but you know commiserations i'm sure you can still blast taylor swift through the through the back door you know it'd be wearing a different kind of ring Rather than the Super Bowl ring, wouldn't he? And that's all that matters. At the end of the day. Who cares? <laughs> exactly. They got yeah, a gold exactly. ring. He got a poo ring. Yeah. <laughs> what more <laughs> What more do you want? What more do you want? Who's the real winner? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> right. Well, with that, with that wild journey we've just been on for that opening question, let's move it on to what we've been playing. This time on NPS We Trust. What have the boys been playing? So, it's been two weeks since our last podcast recording, and Phil, I'm desperate to know what you've been up to in that time. Have you made any more progress on last week's game that you were talking about, which is, of course, Prince of Persia? I love the way you've adapted your intro, because it'd be very Thank easy you. to slip into kind of your old sayings, speaking of Spencer, because normally we go over to him first, and hearing that intro brings a tear to my eye that we're missing him already, and we've only got to what have I been playing. And what have I been playing? Yes, you are right. I have been playing The Prince of Persia. Now, I've been playing about 16 hours in total for this game. So PlayStation Cards is telling me I'm about 60% through the game. Okay, to mainline the game, apparently it's 16 hours, so I should be 100%, but to do 100%, it's 30 hours. So you can see that I'm getting drawn over here, I'm getting drawn over there, and I'm picking up all the collectibles along the way. I don't know if it's going to be a platinum, this one, because I'll come on to some of my struggles a little bit later as I introduce you to all the different aspects of Prince of Persia. Now, last episode, I was talking about the boss fights, wasn't I? And I was trying my best not to jinx myself by saying they were too easy and going down the armoured core route and then fucking myself over. Well, just to give some people a little bit of a nod to where I am in the game, and it's no spoilers because it's all over Twitter at the moment because it's probably one of the most entertaining boss fights uh, throughout the game, at least so far, and I'm at the snake boss, okay? I'm not going to try and say his or her name because I'll butcher it, but it's the darkest of souls. 
boss, snake boss, okay? Now, this fight wasn't easy. It took me around 10 to 15, I think, attempts all in all. And the way to approach these fights is rotation by rotation, move by move, and you work out how to combat it with your abilities at that current state within the game without taking too much damage. And I got further and further the more I progressed. I wasn't just hitting my head against a brick wall, which I feel like I'm doing in Armored Core at the moment, so that's why we're not talking about it, okay? Each time I took on the snake boss, I felt I was getting a little bit further into the fight. Now, this fight in particular, Davey, you love. The visuals Ooh. here are absolutely spot on when it comes to Dragon Ball Z. They're so close to Dragon Ball Z, this snake literally screams Kamehameha as he shoots a Kamehameha vertically after he swoops you and throws you up in the air and just blasts you out of the sky. Oh. It's absolutely incredible, honestly. There's so many nods. There must have been a designer or a director or somewhere along the lines creating this game and they must have all been big Dragon Ball Z fans because there's loads of it there's loads of kind of projectiles they hit away they're getting thrown through walls and it's all breaking and you could see them and like they're getting thrown into like the floor and there's big kind of explosions it's the most Dragon Ball Z game without being Dragon Ball Z and in my book that is a good thing now I talked about abilities now after each boss you get generally an extra ability at least when you're doing the major bosses of course there are some side bosses as well where you just get a couple of crystals or a new dangly to go on your necklace which gives you further abilities to augment your experience within the game so far i've got the rush of samorg which is the ear dodge okay i've got the shadow of samorg which basically drops a copy of yourself and then you can walk back to yourself i've got the dimensional claw which sounds absolutely incredible but actually it just helps you open doors by picking up items which you couldn't normally pick up i've got the clairvoyance which basically pushes you into a different dimension to be able to solve puzzles. And then recently, after completing the snake boss, I've got gravity wings, which actually relatively late into a game, I've only just got the double jump, okay? Feels like a basic move, but actually within this game, it opens up a world of chaos because I'm now able to reach aspects of the game which I never thought I would actually get to. They were all sort of greyed out in the map and I thought maybe I would, you know, warp to the top and sort of drop back down. But now that I've got that double jump, this game has completely changed. It's turned into the most precise platformer game out there. And oh my God, some of it is frustrating. I've died more making these jumps around those diamonds as I'm falling through the sand than I did on any of the bosses. A well-timed ear jump with a wall jump and a double jump to avoid those obstacles is the key. And threading those together, that is where the skill of this game actually is. I feel this is the point where I've unlocked the game. You know when you're playing a game and you think, yeah, yeah, I've seen all this before. You get a bit further, you're like, yeah, it's it's a bit repetitive. There's an extra boss, maybe a, an extra, you know, rotation here, an extra bit of combat to learn. But a double jump literally has blown this whole game into the next level. And this is why I'm only 16, 60% uh, of the way through this game, because now I've just been exploring all those places I never explored before. I'm still hitting it with a 9 out of 10 because I'm absolutely loving this game, as you can tell by my enthusiasm for this one and how long I've actually been speaking about Prince of Persia. But you're going to be getting more in two weeks, let me tell you. Nice bit. I'll be glad to hear it. I mean, this is one of those things that I feel really sorry for in that I just haven't had the opportunity to do it. I haven't had the time. Um, I've been really cracking on with pulling my finger out my ass, basically. 
and just playing stuff for YouTube. So I haven't got right into it yet. I don't know when I will, in all honesty. And I'm starting to feel like I might not have time for a couple of other things because of the game that we've been playing at the moment. So th th there is that worry there. I, I, one thing I will do is that I will definitely get to this before end of year. Because judging from what you're saying about it, that it will take, you know, coming in at 9 out of 10 means it's generally, unless we have like one of the best years ever like we did last year, 9 out of 10 means it's probably going to be in the running for a game of the year. So I, I need to play it. It's a game I'm really excited by. And Ubisoft have been on a weird trajectory for the last few years. You know, I mean, I know they rebooted um, Final Fantasy. I know they rebooted Assassin's Creed and that did well for a lot of people with Origins and uh, Valhalla and, and all those. But I was never really that big on them. So Ubi's kind of been off my radar for a long time. And this is the first thing they've done in quite a while that's really spoke to me. So I need to put my money where my mouth is and give it that kind of support. So yeah, I, I want to hear more about it, mate, because I'm definitely going to be there with you just in a few months time i feel like you might be actually doing the wise thing because each time i check the cost of this game it has fallen down i don't think ubisoft can really recreate what nintendo do with their games where they put out mario kart and it's still 60 pounds regardless if it's 10 years old i think with a ubisoft game it quickly drops off so i bought it i think it was for about 45 um, when it first launched and now i've seen it for 35 already so the longer you wait the cheaper it's going to get but the experience is still going to be stellar so why not wait on this game there's no rush with it ultimately the story isn't going to get spoilt by me kind of talking about it i think on the next couple of episodes I'll, I'll i'll end up completing it but i don't feel there's a big gotcha at the end of this game it's more just a very very polished like castlevania game which is super enjoyable and it has those kind of aspects to a video game which i know you would love those really obsessive kind of boss fights to be able to do them perfect and of course all the jumping around that i've now found myself doing to be able to collect all those extra items to sort of buy things in the shop that actually you couldn't normally buy without getting them okay so they're a different form of currency and that's all the kind of um, traversal stuff that i've been talking about I'm so looking forward to it, mate. Like, Metroidvanias just speak to me on every single level. And it's been a while now since I've played a Metroidvania. So, yeah, I'm, I'm definitely down for it. It's just a case of just nailing when that's going to happen this year. It's going to be the difficult thing. But I need to make time for it. I can't let it be like Jedi Survivor, where it's been a full year now, or coming up full year since the anniversary, and I still haven't played it. Even though I do own that now. So at least I'm a step closer to, uh, to achieving it. But, you know, still not quite there yet. But no, very, very happy to uh, to hear that you're still loving it. For myself, I've been playing a couple of little things before we get onto the main one. So the first one, I finally achieved the Platinum Trophy in Street Fighter VI. Ooh, that's a Platinum. Mm. Yeah, buddy. Yeah, very, very happy with myself. It wasn't actually that hard of a Platinum. I'd done like 90% of it kind of close to the game's release. And all I had to do then was enter like five tournaments and win 10 games a tournament. So it wasn't hard to do. It was just a case of finding out when I could log on for when a tournament was happening. That was the challenge. But apart from that, it was absolutely fine. The 10 wins weren't really an issue. And just went in there, entered, earned a load of kudos points, earned a load of drive tokens. And thanks for coming. But yeah, so really nice one. I'm really happy with that. It's my 120th Platinum. So a great one to, you know, kind of hit that kind of milestone. 
What was the um, what was the most difficult trophy within that sort of platinum run? Was it more the timing, or was there any kind of precise kind of combos that you had to um, sort of pull off to be able to get certain trophies? Because I know, like in previous games, when we talk about Street Fighter Four, that we spent a lot of time in, a lot of those trophies related to learning every single combo for every single character within the training zones. Now, yeah. did it have the same things for Street Fighter Six? No, way more forgiving. So it did have trial ones, so one specific two combo trials, but it was something like you had to do like 10 or 20 trials maybe. And so when you think about that across the entire cast and say the first 10 of those combo trials for anyone are really basic stuff, like do a Hadouken, do a Shoyuken. So you can just, you know, I did those without even trying to, whereas in the old games, those were the blockers, like you're saying. Like Street Fighter Four trophy list, doing all the combo challenges and getting those one frame links was super hard right super super hard and doing that for your main was difficult let alone for like a charge character or someone that i never play well that's what i was gonna say right i played blanca and i couldn't complete blankers right and i played him a lot over the course of street fighter 4 and then to be put in a position where you've now got to learn a new character which isn't your move set and you've got to be able to compete at the same level as your main which i really can't do so yeah it was a complete blocker in street fighter 4 for me <laughs> Yeah, you're not going to find that here. Street Fighter Six's trophy list, really, really nice, really easy. And the rarest trophies are definitely these tournament ones. So I think a lot of people are struggling in the same area where I was in terms of you've got like three tournaments per day, generally, and they're not always the case. So at the moment, there's Capcom, because Capcom Cup's happening next weekend. They've got these Capcom Cup specific ones where you earn like character colors and stuff like that, which is quite nice, right? And you get like some nice little rewards. Um, and these ones aren't done by grade. So normally your tournament, you go in and you sign up to either like a, I'm in Diamond, for example. So I sign up for like Diamond lobbies, but if somebody was in Iron or Rookie or, you know, Silver, Gold, whatever, you sign up to your own individual one, which is at that level. So it means that if you've got a Silver character, your, your Ryu, for example, is in Silver, you can't then enter Ryu into like a Rookie and farm it. You've got to enter into right. Silver. And so I've only only ever played Ryu, so I got a Ryu and Diamond, and yeah, I've been entering the Diamond tournaments, and they're good. But the Capcom Cup ones are quite nice because they're open. So the first game I played into, I've been used to playing at Diamond level, and I played someone who must have been in Rookie. And it was like impossible to read him. Like he won the first game on me because I just couldn't, it wasn't making sense what he was doing, you know? And then after the first game, he realized, oh, he just doesn't know how to play the game. And then at that point, <laughs> at that point, you, yeah. you, you kind of like revert your mind. Like you, you know, that scale of evolution where it shows like man, like first coming up from like monkey or whatever. You got to go back to that monkey brain, bro. And you just got to start like, okay, right. I know they're going to do the dumbest fucking thing ever. They're going to wake up like DP every time. And he did. And he just got bodied then. It was like two double perfects. It was just absolute fire from there. Go back to the fish, mate. That's where it, it all is. started. Go back to the amoeba in the water that's swimming around, okay, right? That's the level you need to go back. Because you're right, playing a fighting game is difficult at times, but I think it does get more difficult when you face an opponent that doesn't know what they're doing. Because you're so used to playing at a certain level, the people around you generally will level at the same point. So when you're playing Spencer, you know the types of moves that he's going to be throwing out. When we were playing Street Fighter 4 competitively, and we were playing each other a lot, you knew what I was going to do because you played me so often. But when you had someone new come in, it's like we're bringing a Jody in. 
right? And she's picking Kirby, and then she's doing the most random shit in Smash Brothers. And you're like, what is going on here? I'm just getting down beat, and I don't know how to combat this because no one does that in Smash Brothers. Yes, it is frustrating, but you quickly level up when you understand that they're at that certain level and you can just throw out punches, well-timed punches, but still just punches and still win because they don't know how to combat those. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. They don't know how to block, which is always a bad yeah, thing. Yeah, don't know, know how to block. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. so it's it's very much that kind of journey. I think if anybody is looking to dive into Street Fighter tournaments and see what it's kind of like, the online tournament mode, while not an exact replica to an offline experience, it does do enough to give you that kind of thrill uh, that you kind of get. You know, in terms of that, I don't want to lose this. And especially when you're grinding for trophies and stuff. So it means something to you. You know, like that loss is like, fuck, now I've got to enter the next tournament because I didn't win enough games. It does do enough to kind of drive you on. So if someone is kind of tempted with the idea of maybe entering locals and they don't know how it's going to go, it's a good substitute because the locals ain't too far off from that. It is more because you're looking at the person opposite from you when they take their watch off after you win game one and the pressure starts rising, right? But it does enough to get you through the door. And I think that's all that it was ever intended for. So yeah, it's, it's a nice little one. I'm glad to have finally got the platinum for it. Yeah, I was going to ask you about that that tournament system a little bit more because as as we've talked about multiple times throughout this segment, we used to attend a lot of Street Fighter 4 tournaments in person and online just really wasn't a thing, at least for us when we were playing. Now I know Street Fighter 6 has taken steps to introduce, I suppose, a newer crowd into the world of Street Fighter. It's not so crushing as maybe diving in halfway through Street Fighter V and not understanding a thing that's going on. They have so many different systems within Street Fighter VI now that sort of almost baby you into the way of thinking with Street Fighter VI. Now, with these tournaments that you've been playing, you've said that you've you've come up against a range of different levels. Now, did the kind of basic player have a chance at beating you or do you feel it was slightly unfair it, well, it's tricky right because in the diamond level yeah 100 percent. every game was just like i was playing ranked so you know there's mm. kind of i don't know what the win rate is maybe 60 percent win rate so you know i got most of the time i win but but not all the time right that's why i'm still in diamond and not in master rank in diamond rank no it's very much a case of it seems pretty even and it could go anywhere mm -hmm. and then a lot of times yeah. matchup dependent i play ryu so it's a hard fucking life especially against someone like ken who's like the best in the game it's hard right it's really tricky i've got to be on point but playing this capcom cup tournament that i did yesterday in there it was wild you're, you're literally you have no idea what you're up for and so it's kind of like when you're in local tournament, and for those that have entered will know this feeling, you get into your like round one, or say you get a buy and, and it's in round two, you know pretty quick on whether or not you're going to absolutely steamroll this person or not. And you just know straight away. Like It could be the way that they move straight off the bat, their first option they do, something like that that makes you think, oh, hold on a sec, okay. And then the more that kind of match unfolds, you think, ah time to revert the brain i think at local you could tell by the way they plugged their handset in and set up their buttons oh, i think 100%. that was always a clear tell back in the day because going to locals regularly we would know the crowd so it was always a bit disconcerting when someone new would turn up okay and they would plug in their remote or their handset or or, or their fight stick 
and and they wouldn't test the buttons and you'd be like right is this riz is this riz is he yeah. just taking the piss and then they wouldn't know what they're doing and you're like well he didn't test his buttons so now i know but then at the same time there was those people that would go in and yeah it would be riz they would have you because you it's the mind game game it's already kicked off, right? From the moment you walk into that pub, because we used to go to a place uh, in Bristol called The Lanes, which is a bowling alley, but it also doubled up as a bit of a, an arcade um, at the top of the stairs for anyone that's ever been to The Lanes in Bristol. And people coming in, you just, you just would not know. So yeah, it was part of the mind games. And that is the fun part of when you get to those local tournaments to start psyching people out from day dot. 100%. Smash, obviously, I played Smash the most in tournament setting, right? And and that's exactly when you know what you're up against, right? If their name's already on the system, you think, fuck, okay, all right, well, there might be something here. If they're not, if their name isn't on there and they just create their name but no button changes, generally you're facing someone who's going to get fucking slapped, like, immediately. Because <laughs> no one plays with default controls in Smash, like, no one really ever, you know, they'll turn off tap jump or something, right? And yeah, that, that gives you a good indication. It's like when we went to events and you're playing at, um, uh, you're playing like an anime convention or something. And some kid comes up who's like seven and his mum's there. And his mum's like, oh, uh, Jimmy, are you sure you're going to be okay? He's like, mum, I play this all the time. And he looks, sits next to me and thinks, I'm going to fucking steamroll this kid. His mum is going to be... And then he picks Minecraft Steve. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. And then you think, oh, fuck. Plans off, boys. Plans off. Game over. Game yeah. over. Game yeah, over. Yeah. Anyway, we, we digress quite a lot now. We're talking too much Smash. Back back to Street Fighter on this one. Great experience. Sounds amazing. Um, unfortunately, I don't feel like this is a, a thing when it comes to the trophy that I'm going to be pursuing, but I'm really glad that you've got it and, uh, and props to you for, for a Street Fighter Platinum. That's a big swing in deck. Yeah, it is. It's a 0.2%, so quite rare. Uh, not the 0.1%, you know, like Street Fighter 4 or anything, but still pretty happy with that. Nice 0.2 to add to the list. And apart from that, I have been playing, I don't want to talk about it too much, but I'll be interested to know if you have played it or not, and that might uh, determine how much we talk about it. I played uh, on stream straight after we recorded the uh, State of Play uh, podcast that we did that went up last week. I played uh, The Silent Hill, uh, The Short Message. And I played that through, uh, and I put a review out on YouTube for it. Did you ever get round to that at all, Phil? I'll have to admit, I haven't played it, and I haven't watched your review. So normally when you put a review out, I'm, I'm one of the first to watch it. I'm one of the first to uh, usually tweet about it and, and put my promo game out there for you. But on this one, I didn't want to watch it because I haven't played it. And I feel like the review probably will give too much away for this one. Okay. As much as you try to avoid the spoilers, me personally, I did want to play it through. I think you said it was about a two-hour experience, right? Yeah. It's only a short game. So I think I want to experience it for myself before watching the review or, or talking too much on this podcast. But if you want to go into a few non-spoilers, feel free, but I'll, I'll have to stay quite far away from this conversation. Cool, cool, cool. I'll, I'll keep it short and sweet. Uh, all I'm going to say is, right, I seem to be the outlier on this game. I really enjoyed it. I really, really enjoyed it. It's not Silent Hill. It's really not, but it doesn't have to be. I always think about this, and we can talk about it here. I always think about this with Resident Evil, is that people in the community, they're so quick to be able to say, oh, this doesn't count. And we're very much like that. You know, we talk about Resident Evil 4, and we're like, oh, it's not really Resident Evil, though. Right, and we're, we're as bad as, as the people I'm talking about here. But the Silent Hill crowd seem a lot more <laughs> just angry. I think they're just pissed off. You know, they've had like 12 years without a game, and then they get a game and it's not like Silent Hill. And so they're just fucking fuming uh, everything. But 
I think for anybody on the outside, if you're thinking about checking it out, it isn't a long game. It's two and a bit hours at max. And with that, you get what I would consider a really emotionally engaging story. It really hit me. There's moments in that that really did affect me, especially being a parent and things like that. I think there's something here. And I think if you've got two hours to spare, you could do a lot worse. For a free game, no financial investment whatsoever. It's just a time investment. And I would recommend checking it out. I really would. Uh, it's, it's well worth a look, Phil, especially for yourself. I think you'd come away from it really enjoying your time with it. But it's certainly, like Spence was saying on the last episode, it's not scary in any way. Not really scary at all. Okay. But it is enjoyable. Well, that wasn't the thing that was really going to put me off because actually I want it to be scary. I, I always felt that Silent Hill as an IP was always scarier than the games that cannot be mentioned, but it can be mentioned at this point, Resident Evil. I always thought they were a lot more, they had a lot more to them when it came to the kind of like scares within the game. And I was always a bit, not put off by playing the games, but a bit more Oh, something's going to happen here. Oh, oh, oh. Uh, yeah. With Resident Evil, I, I I just felt it was a bit more, not that it was like super arcadey, especially like the first and the second one, but like I, I just felt a bit more safe in the Resident Evil, if that made sense. Yeah, I think Resident Evil's more in your own control, isn't it? You know, like you choose to go out with what you choose to go out with. You choose to go out with the heels. You choose to do all this stuff. Whereas Silent there Hill, it's more, it just kind of gets under your skin a little bit like the themes are a lot heavier than resident evil psychological it is very much psychological and it's also there's just a feeling in silent hill where it's just i think it's just a fog it's just so atmospheric that it kind of just feels like you're just up against it all the time like there's just no rest whereas at least in resident evil especially after you get past probably the halfway mark for most resident evils the power has just completely shifted and you're in charge then yeah. and then it's a case of how hard do you make it yourself by not using the stuff you've got and and that's more and that's more of the struggle that you got. <laughs> that's got. on us. Yeah, that's on us. That's on us. So yeah, it's very much. But yeah, a short little one. I I just recommend that if anyone's out there and you are thinking about picking one up, uh, a Silent Hill experience. This isn't a Silent Hill experience. This will not get you. If you enjoy this, that does not mean you'll like Silent Hill Two or you know any of the classics or anything. But it's a fun game nonetheless, and an enjoyable little experience. But Metacritic and the fan base are on the other side and they think it's a load of shit so do with that what you will i think go in with an open mind and you'll enjoy yourself but phil there's a big swinging dick that we have not talked about here and that is the game that really oh 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 god yeah that is the game that's been on our most anticipated games of 2024 and we had the pleasure of it coming out only a few short days ago that is of course hell divers 2 you and me and Spence and Lewis from X Marks the Box have all been diving in and playing the fuck out of this game the last few days. As somebody who's not a massive, well, somebody who wasn't really too involved with Helldivers 1, I should put it as that way, how have you found Helldivers 2 so far? Well, Helldivers, yeah, as, as you mentioned, it wasn't really an IP that was sort of loved by myself. I, n I never really found myself playing the original. Maybe I just didn't, you know, have have kind of the invites at the time I, I i don't know how our friendship was at the time of helldivers but you definitely weren't sending me the invites back in the day so 
Maybe it's more your fault than my fault on this one. But Helldivers 2, I'm very much invested in, purely because of the hype from this podcast, okay? So you guys have influenced me a little bit when it comes to Platinum Trophies. Yes, I do look for them time to time. And Helldivers definitely was one of your recommendations to get involved with, and get involved with early. This was a birthday present from Spencer, right? And he ordered me the physical edition. This wasn't going to be delivered on the Thursday. Apparently, it was going to be delivered on the Friday. So we made the decision, and I think actually you made the decision for me, for him to buy me digital so I could get it on day of release and not having to swap between the disc and Prince of Persia all the time. And to be fair, that was a blessing. So thank you very much, mate, for making that choice for me because it has saved me a lot of time. And I'm so glad that I had it on that Thursday because it's been incredible. But you guys have let me down a little bit. Over the last week, I felt like I'm the one messaging you. The tables have turned. You boys out with your lives, talking to women, <laughs> drinking, and I'm there sending you DMs on the PS app or when we play in Helldivers. And you're like, yeah, I'll be on later. <laughs> now I know what it feels. I'm there squashing bugs solo. And you're out... I'm having a curry. <laughs> Spencer's out drinking. Terrible, terrible behaviour, boys. What do you have to say for yourself? It's wild, right, that you're the highest level out of all of us. It's absolutely fucking insane. <laughs> like, I've never known it. I've never known it. It's so weird. <laughs> and to be, like, going in and you're, like, sharing little bits of, like, nuggets of information. I'm like, oh, how the fuck do you know this? Oh, I just learned it on a different mission. I'm like, fucking hell, okay. He's he's playing. He's sweating. But it, it's great. It's great. I tell you what, it's it's been it's been a weird turn of events, right? Because I had, I booked the Friday off work so I could play it all day. And then nobody else was on. Obviously, you guys were all working, stuff like that. And so I've just been working on a, a Alan Wake review, which has taken me ages. Massive this review, taking me a long time. <laughs> and so I've just been kind of stuck between that, the girlfriend, and the kid. And it's like trying to juggle all that. It's been a bit tricky, but I've managed to steal myself away. And I remember I sat down with the missus. I said, "Look, there's a game coming out on Thursday. That this doesn't happen very often, but it's going to take me away." Like, the, I, I cannot play it on my own. It's a co-op game. It, it, I can play it on my own, but why would I want to, right? I'm going to play it with the lads. So it means that when the message comes through, if I can, I'm going to be there to fight. They need me. I need to be there for this. I need to be there. And she's been cool with it. So I think as things go on this week, Phil, my availability is going to be opening up tenfold because I don't have, as you said, don't have to go out for an Indian. I don't have to go and do all... I've done all the groundwork now. I've kept her sweet. So now it's time for, for that to come back round to me, right? Keep um sweet, lads. You know how it is. If you want to be left alone, you want to do your own thing, you've got to make it worth their while, right? You've got to wine and dine them a little bit. You've got to show them how, how things are, and then you just got to pull it back a little bit. Sorry, love. Super Earth needs me. I need to be here for this. I cannot believe she believed you. <laughs> that, that line then... You even laughed as you said it. You said, oh, this, this doesn't happen very often. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. How no. did you get away with that? If, if, if I was in the same room as you, I'd shake your hand right now because fair play, mate. You've got her. You've done her there. She, she, I tell you what, she's a keeper, mate. She's a keeper. And she knows. But on the other, opposite side of it, I mean, what more do you want out of a man than this? You know, you don't want this running away. I'm not into sport. 
uh, as that's evidence from earlier on in the podcast. So I'm not taking away from football or rugby or any of these other, you know, social events that seem to happen all the time. I'm not all down the pub watching the game. Turns out I just want to go and enlist and fight some bugs and some cyborgs. <laughs> and that's all I need to be, to be, you know, she knows I'm nice and safe. I'm not chatting to other women. I'm chatting to the boys. And that's what you want out of a man, right? Surely. That's exactly what you want out of a man. And talking of men playing this game, I've had another man on my team. An absolute star, let's call him. Shout out to Lewis Potato Chief himself from our sister show, X Marks the Box, because he's been stepping up while you boys have been out drinking and spending time with women, fraternizing, wasting <laughs> your time. Potato Chief is a real man. He's been spending time with me, squashing them bugs. He's been joining in and helping me out on their missions. Well, Helping, that's quite a big word as we found out, because when me and Potato Chief were playing solo, he's very supportive, very helpful. He would follow me around the map, I would do all the objectives, and if I was getting attacked, he would rescue me, generally. When we played the triple up, what did he do? Every five minutes, calling in airstrikes. Sorry, every two minutes, calling in airstrikes. Airstrike here is, guys, I'm going to airstrike. Just airstrikes in front of us and kills us every single time. And let me tell you, listeners, let me tell you, viewers, once you armor up, you've got your primary weapon, your machine gun, you've got your secondary burst fire handgun, you've got your special weapon, your grenade launcher, you've got your ammo backpack, and you're going in, you're walking in to take out some bugs. You're thinking, oh, I'm going to creep around here, pop a little grenade over the side, and shut down one of those openings, and Lewis calls in an airstrike and blasts you to kingdom come. Jesus Christ, he's the biggest threat in this fucking game. He's killed me more than the bugs have killed me. Let's put that out there. 100%. And this was the worry that I had for you. I thought you were going to be this guy. But no, I'm coming in now. You've got so many, so much experience under your belt. It's like as if you're a veteran of, of Helldivers 1 itself. Because you're coming in there and you're treating it exactly the same way that me and Spence are. In terms of we know what we need to do. We take out this patrol. This thing's going on. we got to stop this all cascading. Because Helldivers is all about being in control. And as soon as you're not... It just goes to shit. And this is what this is what happens. You get airstriked and you've got your recallless rifle, you've got all your shit, all of a sudden you've got nothing, and now you're being thrown in and somebody throws the fucking respawn straight into the heart of bugs. So you're coming out and getting slaughtered. <laughs> and then before you know it, your twenty lives have gone down to next to nothing. And then you're waiting two minutes between, you know, respawns. It, it's just an absolute clusterfuck at that point. But what a clusterfuck it is. I mean, Christ. This game has been everything I wanted it to be. Literally everything. It is a natural evolution of Helldivers 1 in all the best ways. I, I think it's just as fun as... Nothing's been lost in that movement from you know a top-down to a, to a third-person shooter and first-person, if you want to aim that way. The quality of life features on here are just absolutely immense. It's so easy to be able to join people. It's so easy to be able to like just have random Helldivers pop into your game. You put down an SOS, people will show up and they'll help you out. Super, super lush. Super amazing to do. And the little things I love are just the attention to detail. So like, you know when you do that objective where you let the rocket go and it just like blasts off yep. and then you think that's it, right? That would just be it in a normal game. Nothing else happens. But in this, you just see this massive nuclear explosion just go off in the distance. You get flooded by all this like debris and all this stuff. It's so visually appealing. And there is something 
so satisfying about that feeling of either when it works and you're all working as a proper team and all helping each other out and it's going smooth or when someone fucks up and it just all leads to total disaster. There was this moment that happened the other day. It just cracked me up. It's happened to me twice now where I've gone to throw like a stratagem and I've landed it straight on a bug. And that bug has just run for me. And I'm like, oh, no, 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 no. It's like an orbital strike. And I'm like sprinting, trying to run while this bug's coming after me. And it's just those moments that you just can't, you couldn't program this in, right? You just couldn't like make this kind of organic gameplay moment happen. But it happens every single drop on Helldivers 2. Each one feels so unique. And even though you're doing maybe the same objectives, like we've been doing a lot of the same bug ones, right? We haven't got onto the cyborgs yet. And sure, the planets may be different. Like we went to one that was really like smoky and we've been to an ice planet. We've been to another one which is like full of acid. We've been to different locations which all feel very different and how you kind of combat that same enemy changes so much. But each time, each drop just feels unique and feels satisfying in a way that I don't think many games could. And I knew that Helldivers had that potential. I just hoped it would live up to it, but it's managed to exceed that for me in every single way. I think this this game is blowing my mind how good this is and it's only going to grow from here are we at the point where we can give a rating here phil are you thinking we can or do you think we need a little bit more time to see more cyborgs and stuff i i think we can give an early impression on this you know like we'll reserve judgment here where we can change and adjust our scoring on it but i think you know having a, a, a couple of days in the amount of hours that we have spent in this game more so than others um i, th- I think we could put a rating out there and l- let me just kick things off with saying that this is a stellar experience for those who haven't and probably you're in the minority these days because this game is selling like absolute hotcakes now there has been some issues on pc And we've had actually a PC player join one of our games and help us out. That was very nice of them. So you do get the cross play between the two. And I am thinking actually, because I am enjoying this game so much to actually get it on my Steam Deck as well. So I'm always have the opportunity to be able to dive in with you boys when you guys are available and you're not drinking or off with women. Now the PS5 launch for me has been absolutely flawless. I I haven't got a bad word to say about my PS5 experience outside Lewis, which I'm going to consistently grumble about through this whole episode until he fucking understands what he's doing wrong. (sighs) I I put a tweet out actually, and and I think I gave him a bit of a rough time while we were in the game. And then I put the tweet out and I went to bed and I thought, I hope I don't offend him because I was giving him some shit that day, wasn't I? And I think I may have crossed the line. So sorry, Lewis. It is all in in, in good humour. And, uh, you know, I I do enjoy playing with you. I will give you those invites if our squad isn't full. Um, But (laughs) Helldivers 2, this game is selling like hotcakes, as I said, because it's overtaken uh, Palworld. It's the number one selling game on Steam at the moment. Did you know that? It's absolutely flying off the shelves. Helldivers 2 salute this game it's doing work it really is arrowhead as you said without the irony do not miss and with this one they definitely didn't now there was a game recently that we played quite a lot of deep rock galactic okay and it had a lot of very similar aspects to helldivers 2 but i think helldivers 2 does take it to that next level there is so many unique aspects to this game that as you're saying you couldn't script and it just happens because of the people you're playing with i think helldivers 2 is made better because we're all playing together if i was playing this on my own 
I don't think I would be giving it the same score, but playing with you boys and playing with Lewis and playing with the odd PC player that we know and that joins us, I am going to be rating this a full 10 out of 10 because I am absolutely loving this experience to this point. As I said, I'm going to withhold full judgment, but until next episode, my rating 10 out of 10 for Helldivers 2. Phil, I'm going to echo those thoughts, my friend. It's a straight up 10. As I said earlier, it's everything I wanted it to be, but even more so than that, what is crazy is, you know, like when you follow a band and they all of a sudden make it big with like a big single or something and then everyone loves it. It feels like I've been yeah. on that kind of train with this. Like I remember when <laughs> when this was shown at that state of play like, you know, a year ago or whatever it was and it was rumored to be coming back. I remember being like absolutely ecstatic and being like, yeah, that show was a fucking 10 because Helldivers was there. It's finally happening. Like it's, it's real. And nobody was talking about it. And I was thinking, oh, they're going to fucking flip this shit when this comes out because they're going to realize how fucking good this is. And thank God that's come to fruition, that's come to pass, because I'm so glad that there's so many people who've never experienced this IP and are now through the door. Arrowhead do an exceptional job. The great thing that comes with the experience is that I know what's going to happen over the next few years in terms of this game's support. The, the first game was supported out the wazoo, and after a number of years, when the game originally came to PS3 and Vita and PC... Uh, as a cross-release and then they had a revision for ps4 which was the super earth edition if i remember rightly and that had all the extra dlc and all the extra weapons and all the extra vehicles and all that stuff now we already know mechs are on the way but we're going to be getting more vehicles if it's anything like the first one which it seems very much like it is then we're going to be having jeeps we're going to be having tanks we're going to be having all these different things which all sound like as if they'd be op but they just keep raising it up New armies will come in, new units will come in, and as soon as you start thinking you've made progression, you hire it up another difficulty level and you're seeing stuff that you've never seen before. And we've started ticking away at that now, like we've started, we can take on like a challenging mission now and it is challenging, but we can do it. Hard missions, we attempted one, I think we did one of them, I think. But there is just so much more for us to see and I can't wait to experience it. And yeah, 10 out of 10 is it's a perfect experience for what it is. And if you're one of those people that are trying to make your decision about whether you support this or not, there's one thing I've seen banded around online a lot, which is that it's a pay-to-win experience. Can I just say first off, fuck off if you feel like that's the case, like you have no idea. People are saying like, oh, but all the best weapons are in like the super pass or anything like that. You can unlock everything from just playing it, right? You can just unlock everything. And people say, oh, super credits on the super store. The super store is just cosmetic items, right? It's just like different armor variants, which are the same ones that are, that are in the base game. And you can find the fucking super credits. We went up and saluted to, like, one of those points of interest, and it gave me super credits. And I thought, oh, well, what's the big fucking idea here? It, you know, it's a PvE game for a start. So if you want to spend more money to be able to, like, like Spencer's bought the, um, the season pass, hasn't he? The battle pass. Yes. And, yep. like, all that's going to do is help us, right? Like, and I want to get the battle pass because I want to support this game. 35 quid the production value that's in this already at this stage of day one is already vastly superior to some games I play at like 60 or 70 quid. Like I think about the, the amount I paid for like Atomic Heart. I know you enjoyed it. I don't mean to dunk on it, but I think about that or, like, we go. or like Callisto, right? 
And I paid more for that kind of experience than I have for Helldivers. And it's a vastly superior experience. So why shouldn't they get the extra amount of money from me for the Battle Pass, especially as we're going to be paying the fuck out of it? I think you've hit the nail on the head there, Davey, right? When people say pay to win, generally you would be referring to a PvP game, right? Player versus player. Play to win. Get your unfair advantage. But when it comes to Helldivers 2, and obviously Helldivers, it's a team-based game, and it's PvE. Ultimately, all you're going to do by getting the battle fast is kind of speed up the process to get to, I suppose, the, the higher-level enemies. But ultimately you're going to miss out a bunch of content because you're pushing through faster ultimately we're all enjoying the game so personally i see no need to spend any money on the battle pass i'm enjoying it for what it is currently and what i'm saying to the people who who want to cheat want to you know spend money to get the best weapon and feel like it makes the game easy just get good learn how to do that dive and then stim in and run away and dive again that's the key to surviving because when you're trying a kite those little bugs around and around and around and you're diving and then you're walking up the little bit of the mountain and you're diving again and you're only just getting away and then you look back and you throw a grenade in and they all burst out. It's the best feeling. That's the best feeling. You don't need the best weapon for that. You can achieve the best feeling by your teammates letting you down and you only just scraping through and then bringing them all back to life and then completing the mission as the team. That's the best feeling. 100%. Well said, my friend. And that is it for us. I mean, I know that Spencer, if he was here, I think he'd be matching us on the same energy for 10 out of 10. But we will wait and see from his review in a couple of weeks' time. And of course, we'll be a lot further in. I think we're about like nine odd hours into the game so far. Uh, looking at my in-game card time. So I'll be looking forward to... Uh, oh Christ, we're going to be talking about this game for a long time. So, so buckle up, listeners. And if you <laughs> are interested in playing with us, of course, just let us know. Reach out to us on socials. Uh, all the links are, are in the podcast description. The squad's open. You're welcome to join the Sword of Democracy, which is my ship's name, any damn time, listeners. Just let me know, and the Sword of Democracy will strike through bring you that love that we all need for Supera, because baby whisper in democracy every goddamn night from here on out women can get women can get in the bin mate women get in the bin there's only one super earth and we're fighting for it and if you can't get on the sword of democracy you can always join the king of gold because that's my <laughs> ship I'll, I'll get rid of lua straight away anyone please help <laughs> me out you'd be doing me a favor <laughs> but with that revelation let's bring it on to the quick news so boys or should I say, so Davy, we are at quickity quick, quick news. And is it going to be so quick today? We've got quite a lot of news to go through. Unfortunately, we had to cut some news because we had a bit of a drop out of the show. Unfortunately, Spencer's not with us on the show, but hopefully he'll make it to the next one. But for this one, we've cherry picked six quickity quick, quick news is to go through. I've got my cup of tea. Davey, you've got your drink. We've had a little bit of a break and now we're going to hit you up with the quick news. Unfortunately, we're not going to have any stipulations this time. We're still working that out um, in the background to come up with something entertaining for the quick news because we've done the impressions. We've done the sound effects to kind of 
give each other opportunities to punish each other with shots for episode 90. Unfortunately, episode 90 is looking like a dry episode. It might be quite chill, that show, actually. We could all just sit back, maybe just have a nice cup of tea and actually talk about video games. No, we don't want that. So we need to get something in there where we can challenge each other, punish each other with shots. We've got a few bets going on at the moment, but I think we need to ramp that up now in the second half of the run up to 90. But anyway, for this episode, we're going to keep it simple because, as I said, we're a man down. So, Davey, I'm going to come over to you first for our first quick news of tonight. Okay, quick news. And so we got something that I wasn't expecting at all, actually, and it's Phantom Blade Zero. So Phantom Blade Zero, for those who don't remember, it was a game that was originally shown at State of Play quite a long time ago, about eight months or so ago, I believe. Not 100% on that, but it's been a little while. Anyway, we had a brand new little gameplay teaser that was shown alongside a really cool trailer. So it was like an anime-inspired trailer, and it's all to celebrate Chinese New Year. Now, before I kind of go into more details and some stuff that's coming with this, Phil, did you see the trailer? And if so, what are your thoughts on Phantom Blade Zero so far? Still impressed? Because we were all hyped when we initially saw it, whenever that was. Yeah, I'm trying to think back. When did we get introduced to Phantom Blade Zero? It's been a few months, hasn't it, since we've heard anything. But when this came up on my timeline, I was pleasantly surprised where they took this. Because sometimes when IPs introduce, you know, anime aspects, they kind of get it a little wrong. But, you know, this is the year of the ninja. There's so many kind of samurai games coming out, that Eastern kind of vibe flowing through PlayStation now as we're bringing out game after game after game inspired by the samurai, inspired by the ninja. You know, it is all pointing in one direction, but we're talking about Phantom Blade here, aren't we? You know, they had this anime trailer, which we're talking about, with some really, really inspiring traditional music, which just suited it down to an absolute T and it ended with a mixture of the anime crossing over into some gameplay which was a nice little addition but that anime oh it just suited it so perfectly and it set a tone now for this game because anything that comes up on my timeline it's on notice let me let me say that to you it is not it was on notice before but now it's on red alert it's on high alert for me if I see anything more my eyes are out there for Phantom Blade Zero, for sure. Well, speaking of things to look forward to, they announced as part of this that there's a demo going live later this year. So we'll actually have an opportunity to get hands-on with it. And I think that, for me, is going to be the big... The, the big either I buy in day one or I'm avoiding. Because the trailer, that initial trailer I remember so well, it's like burned into my fucking mind's eye, is the parries just looked amazing. And there was like this moment where like this guy was like flying over and like doing a hundred like a hundred sword swipes. And he's like, dee, 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 like blocking them. And if the parries are like time sensitive, which I hope they are, like you know it's a couple of frames, it's going to be immense. If it's just like a button you hold and it auto does it, it won't have the same feeling. And that's what the demo will convey. So I'm hoping to God that this demo sings the way it looks like it does. But <clears throat> what an opportunity to be able to try the game out and to get some hype building even more than it already is for this game it feels like the same way that i'm excited for stellar blade this feels like that same thing and even if it gets like knocked out of this year goes into next year whatever i don't care if the demo lives up to how i think it will day one for me so i i'm super super chuffed for the demo 
with the demo coming out, is that something that you'd partake in, Phil? Oh, 100%. And as, as I was talking, it, it feels like PlayStation is really pushing now that narrative that we we want kind of more samurai games. Obviously, we're looking to, towards the future with Ghost of Tsushima. Just around the corner, we've got Rise of the Ronin. Phantom Blade Zero, with the demo coming out towards the tail end of the year, definitely I'll be on that one. And speaking of demos, it's worth here that I just make an admission to the audience, because you're probably all thinking, Davey, what do you think of the new Final Fantasy VII Rebirth demo that went live? Well, I'll tell you what I think about it. Nothing. Because I refuse to play it. I totally refuse to. I didn't watch the state of play, and I'm not playing the demo. I'm super hyped for that game. I do not need to see any more. And I've taken the, I call it a brave stance here in saying that I am not going to play it. I know that Spencer has. I know he has. He's mentioned it to me. And so it would have been nice to have him on to talk through it. But I'm kind of glad he isn't. Because now by the time we come to to do the next episode, it will be right on the time of the game's release. And then I can give you my actual full thoughts. I don't want to know fuck. I've muted it on Twitter. I've muted it everywhere I can. I'm in for this day one. And the only thing that's potentially going to put me off it is Super Earth Defense Force. But, you know, that's going to be everything now for the rest of the year, I think. It's got to contend with Helldivers. I haven't muted this game and it looks terrible, Davey, let me tell you. You're just going to have to put that <laughs> one in the bin and just play Helldivers with me, Lewis and Spencer, okay? So just forget about your Final Fantasies. Forget about literally any other game. We're just playing Helldivers now. That is our game. This will now turn into the Helldivers 2 podcast. PlayStation? Are they releasing any other games? I don't think so. It's just Helldivers now, bro. <laughs> it's fine by me, mate. It's fine by me. But let's move <laughs> this on swiftly. Let's bring it on to your bit of quick news. Okay, quickly, quick, quick news. And this one is swinging from rooftop to rooftop because we've got an update on Spider-Man 2 for the PS5. We have a highly anticipated update coming through. Okay, and it includes features such as a new game plus, which I know a lot of people are thirsty for. We're getting some brand new suits for Spider-Man and Miles, as well as a nighttime mode, if you need that. I don't understand why you need to change it from night to day, but apparently they're including that. More, I suppose, to show off the visual fidelity of the game, because as much as we criticised it, maybe for some of the combat, for some of the story, the visuals are superb with this game. But my question is, will this update create carnage, Davey? No, I don't think it will, my friend. I think we're going to be waiting a little while until we get to the, the carnage DLC, which obviously is going to be coming down the, down the road. It was very heavily implied it would anyway by the by the way that that side mission kind of uh, kind of ends. But no, I don't think so. I think this is just something that probably should have been there day one in terms of New Game Plus. Like you think Miles had it day one, uh, Spidey won had it day one as well if i remember rightly it's been a while since i've gone back and played that game it should have really been there so it was a shame that it wasn't but great news for those who want another excuse to go back and, and experience spider-man 2 what a time to do it for me personally it's not going to be enough to bring me back i think i need to you know christ if if there was a trophy for doing you know new game plus like there was with miles and spidey one fuck yeah i would have done it 100 percent, i would have but right now, without that incentive, I've got no reason to go back through that. And it's too close to me to feel like, oh, I need to replay it again. Whereas something like God of War Ragnarok, when that new Game Plus came out, it had been long enough since that game came out that I was kind of craving to go back. And the only thing that stopped me is time. 
So I think it's not going to hit for me, but I know that people are asking for it. And for those people, I'm happy for you. You can go back and experience the game, which is a great game. Just, it ain't Horizon 2, is it? (laughs) (laughs) Someone changed his tune. But I've got to completely agree with you on this one because the timing just seems so strange, doesn't it? They're basically giving you features which generally is included within the initial release of a game, such as New Game Plus. Ultimately, how difficult is that to actually create? I don't know. I'm not a, a programmer of the video games, but New Game Plus, it doesn't feel like... A, a, a huge feature especially for someone like me because we've only just completed spider-man 2 for me i like to leave it at least a year or two before i go back to these games to be jumping in now march 7th i just don't see the point it won't bring me back even if they do put in a trophy for it and as i alluded to earlier the ability to switch between day and night I don't know, is is that really anything special for this game? And new suits, I mean, some of the suits that were in this game, they didn't really hit as hard as the original for me. I think the original just picked all the low-hanging fruit, all the suits you kind of wanted to see. And I think with this one, it kind of brought a few of them and updated a few, and then there were some weird suits which I wouldn't have even tried on in this game. So if they're bringing more just filler into this one, It's just another reason for me to pass this one. The only reason I would jump back in is if it did create carnage and we had some further storyline to broaden this game out a a little bit further. Yeah, I think we've got a bit of a time until we get to that. Uh, The 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 suit-wise, I don't... It's nice in that, you know, there's always going to be a suit that somebody loves that isn't included, doesn't make the cut. For me, I I feel really like... I feel really lucky that my two favorite suits were included here in terms of like Superior Spider-Man and just the Ben Riley suit. They're, they're my two favorite suits in, in all of this. And just like the classic black suit when you could wear that as well. Like not the, the new one's nice, but the classic black suit is just lush. So having like those in the game, I didn't need anything else. Like I'm done. They can add anything in. I don't really care. The nighttime mode makes sense for virtual photography. There's a lot of people that like to go in and take pictures and to do stuff like that. And now you don't have to wait until you get to a specific part of the story to be able to experience that that night. You can then just go in there and just change it to however, however you want it to do. Oh, I'm, I'm up against the sun right now. Can I change that to the moon? You know, can I put this in night? Will this look even better, this shot I've, I've lined up? And so for that, I think it's just a nice quality uh, of life feature for those that are into that. And there's quite a huge subset of people that do like virtual photography. And Spidey 2 is a game that really caters to those people. That virtual photography that you talk about, it's a brilliant marketing idea by the video games industry, isn't it? To create a reason for their fans, their player base, to remarket their games for them for free and then get off on the creativity that they get to put into it. You know, Hideo Kojima literally did this with Death Stranding and you still... How many years ago did Death Stranding 1 come out on on PS4, right? Quite a lot by now. And people are still going in, virtual photography, little picture of Sam, brilliant. Picture of the baby, yes, it's all still coming up on my feed. So it's free marketing. I don't understand why a game doesn't release with this one. It's, It's... genius literally genius it's fantastic and it's great for content creators too like i've used it so many times to to be able to create thumbnails for videos just to be able to go in there and and make like a really nice bit bit of key art that doesn't exist from the publisher and you think oh yeah that would work really well 
And and that's just it's it's a nice little thing that especially for a game that, as you're saying, looks stunning, right? The only issue I have with Spidey is the story. I didn't I didn't think the story on on part two worked for me as well as it potentially could have. But everything else is fucking flawless with it. You know, movement, combat, everything else, great. You liked combat? Yeah, I loved combat. Loved it. Oh. I, I just didn't think those kind of add-ons, the, the, the abilities that you got were so impactful that they were maybe in Miles and, and the first game. I feel like a lot of the game was, and I think my comment on the show was, that you press all the buttons and things just die. You didn't really need to time <laughs> things as much as maybe you did in the first and second game, but hey, they were interesting enough. So for me, combat really fell down a little bit in that respect. It wasn't really that difficult of a game. But I suppose when you're looking at a Spider-Man game, you're not really looking for like a Souls-like experience, are you really? No, no, exactly, exactly. But yeah, I'm glad for those that have these new features. You know, if you want to go back in and experience the game again, by all means, it's open for you now, well, in a couple of weeks. And that's always good news. Never a bad thing, be it getting an update like this, never a bad thing. Bring on the carnage, though. Can't argue with free. No, you can't. You certainly can't. Time for me to move this on, I think. Quick news. Subnautica 2. Oh, what's this? Subnautica 2? Yes, Subnautica 2 has been announced that it is in development. It's apparently scheduled for 2024 release. And the reason why this got outed is all thanks to Crafton's financials. Now, the last time we spoke about Crafton was, of course, whenever we talk about Striking Distance and the Callisto Protocol. But Crafton also are the people working um, or helping to publish Subnautica 2. Now, I've got this from a GameWatcher.com's article. Now, I've never used GameWatcher.com, but let me read some of this for you. And of course, there'll be a full link to this article in the description of the show as well. So this is direct from the source here. Publisher Crafton, in collaboration with developer Unknown Worlds Entertainment, is actively developing Subnautica 2 slated for release this year on PC, PlayStation 5, and Xbox Series X. The sequel was confirmed in a recent financial earnings report for 2023, which contained a slide about the publisher's plans for 2024, including a listing for Subnautica 2. Now, it also includes some gameplay details here, which is quite interesting. Subnautica 2 is being developed with Unreal 5, adopting a games-as-a-service model, Players will explore an oceanic world in stunning, stylized graphics. The report indicates that the game will feature a single-player mode, or you can also team up with friends for up to four-player co-op to uncover the mysteries on an entirely new alien planet. Now, I was a massive fan of Subnautica. I came to it way later than its original release, and I adored it. I built like a really nice underground base. I remember talking about it on the podcast, how much I loved it. And then the sequel came out, which was like a kind of spin-off, um to that game which came out i think two years ago now at this point and that was fantastic as well i loved it earned the platinum trophy for both of them so anytime this subnautica news i'm going to be on the bandwagon for it i'm going to be very receptive the thing is though it kind of gets me a bit worried the reason why subnautica is so good is that it's a lonely experience you feel very small in a gigantic ocean full of massive hungry predators and there's something really calming and nice about base building and building your fort and going out to get resources and coming back and just be able to unwind in that moment. Very kind of solitary experience, the first game. Having that with co-op will make it more fun. But I worry that it will destroy some of the atmosphere 
that is kind of innately, kind of accidentally delivered in the original Subnautica and Subnautica, uh, the, the kind of 1.5. Games as a Service puts a lot of people on edge and gets a lot of people worried about what that means. I'm not really in that boot camp. I think like you could say that, for example, you could say that Helldivers is a Games as a Service if you wanted to. You could argue that it's getting you know permanently updated devs are going in and adding like different things to the game and different enemies and different kind of planets with with different features on them all the time so technically that's the game as a service does that impact the game no if anything it adva- it enhances it the thing that gets me worried is just the co-op and i, I feel like the same way that it can impact a, like a game that can't be mentioned I feel like it can have that effect here where it's just then a laugh where Spence is then or Phil, you're going off and kiting a Leviathan into the depth so I can then go and nick his treasure. And it just becomes a bit of a laugh when you die and I respawn you. It would kind of ruin it compared to if I was going down and trying to lure it myself and knowing that if I die, it's kind of game over or I lose all my resources, you know? So we'll have to wait and see. I'm just excited though at this point that we're getting a new Subnautica and in UE5, just makes perfect sense. That's the engine everyone's using these days. Can't wait to see more. If it is 2024, it won't be long before we start seeing first sight of this. I expect that we'll probably get something at Summer Game Fest if it is 2024, which I am quite dubious about. I think it probably is a more of a 2025 candidate. Now, Phil, you've never really been one that I've turned to for like kind of survival-based games, but is the fact that we could potentially play this as a group more appealing to you? You're right. I never jumped into Subnautica, but I heard you sort of wax lyrical on a previous episode about how good this game is. And you were talking about their USP, which is that kind of solitary kind of experience of building things out and exploring that vast ocean with these huge beasts that could potentially cause you danger, but also protect some sort of rewards within the oceans now i find it quite funny that you're saying that this update might actually counteract that usp that this game has the reason that people are attracted to this game is for that solo experience but now they're saying they're going to bring it you know cross cross platform and four player co-op which me reading it as a newbie going into this i'd be very excited about this i'd be like great this is another hell divers this is another experience for the boys that we can be logging into together and exploring the ocean but as someone that's played the game before, I can see that now as a negative. So I don't know where this is going to hit. I think we're going to have to wait for that official announcement that's coming out very, very soon. Probably at a state of play, as you've mentioned. And and just see where this sort of hits and, and, and see the response from the crowd. Listeners, viewers, if you are a Subnautica fan, how do you feel about this new news that Subnautica now is going to be four-player co-op across the platform? Is this a bonus for you, or are you, like Davey, a little bit worried about the future of this IP? Let us know. And to move this on, now, as Spencer's not here, I'm going to take over the PlayStation Plus monthly games for February. Now, guys, we have three games, as we do, coming to the service. And one game we've talked quite a lot about, so we'll probably gloss over Foam Stars. But 
the game. It does look relatively interesting, but it's not going to stand a chance with my time because Helldivers 2 is out at the moment. And I think that's going to be my comment for a lot of things that we're going to be talking about this episode. We have Roller Dome included within this offering for February. Now, this game came out in November 2023, and it was announced way back in June 2022 at a state of play. I remember commenting on the beautiful cell-shaded Tony Hawk's with guns game, and it did look interesting. And I think there is a possibility that we would again jump into this if we had time away from Helldivers, but it's just so competitive at the moment. It's, it's a very difficult space, I think, for these games to get any of my time and then the third game coming into this one is called steel rising for the ps5 this is a 2022 game and when i looked at the screenshots and i looked a little bit of gameplay it looks like a ps3 game unfortunately so this is an action role-playing video game developed by a company called spider now this is a souls-like game and apparently doing my research not an easy one, so very much not going to take my time either. This had a Metacritic score of 72%, so sort of an average, quite difficult Souls-like, which isn't Souls. So I don't know who's going to be jumping on that one. Now, Davey, I'm going to come over to you. Is there anything in that list that's going to take any way, any time away from Helldivers 2, be that Foam Stars, Roller Dome, or Steel Rising? Well, let me just talk about Roller Dome just for a second. So Roller Dome is the one here that I've actually played. Uh, well, I've played a bit of Foam Stars as well, but fuck no, I'm not going to play that anymore. Roller Dome, I used my PlayStation Plus Premium for a free trial. I did an hour with the game because I was really, really in on this. When I, I remember seeing it, seeing the trailer and thought, oh, this is speaking to me. You know, a nice little indie game. Great little novel idea. This is going to be fantastic. Hope the gameplay pans out. Unfortunately, the gameplay didn't pan out. I didn't find it very rewarding to play. I, I felt it kind of boring, to be honest. And I could see the progression that was going along with it, but it just wasn't enough to drag me in. So you were getting more weapons and more ways to be able to like extend your combos. It's all about keeping a combo system up to earn as many points as you can while also then grabbing things around the environment. You know, like the same way that you grab like, you know, horse or whatever when you're playing Tony Hawks. It's like that yeah. kind of thing. And you get, if I remember rightly, you get ammo back for every kill you do. Or, or no, every trick you do gives you ammo for you then to be able to get more kills. So you're like going up on a vert, right. doing like a front flip or double front flip, and then maybe you get like five bullets. Whereas if you did like a 360 double front flip, you might get 10 bullets. And so it's encouraging you to kind of do that. But every kill then extends the combo meter, which you get combos for each kill you do. And so that's the kind of gameplay hook, but it just didn't really grab me. A bit like Doom. It's a, it's a strange strange kind of link there but doom had that idea that you would be running forward shooting people and you would progress more if you could continue shooting people through that because you would get more ammo and you can continue your combo with that so you, it's all about that forward momentum that would be the similarity between the two there yeah i guess so and i suppose the, the way that it would try and get you in is that you would try and beat your previous score so then you'd you know replay that level with like you know you're better at the game now so you're better at racking up combos and trying to get like that five star or whatever and that would be the kind of loop but within the hour that i played that loop did not get me 
and I will not be revisiting this game. It's nice to be able to have it, and I'll certainly redeem it. And maybe, who knows, maybe in a couple of years' time, I'll get the itch, and I'll go back and give it a few more hours, and maybe it does all coalesce into something really enjoyable. But for the first hour, I certainly didn't get that experience with it. Well, that's super unfortunate, because that one, out of the three, has the highest Metacritic score of a 79%, with Foam Stars unfortunately sitting on 59%. That one hasn't oh. really gone down super well in the community, although there is quite a lot of loud voices on Twitter sort of talking this game up. You do find that, don't you? Generally, when a Metacritic comes in at a low point, you get very vocal people on Twitter going, no, this is the best game, and then kind of writing off all the negativity as if we're crazy crazy we're the crazy ones and then you have the opposite effect where you get the high scores and you get all these people trying to bomb it which people are doing to helldivers too at the moment i've seen that on my twitter which is unfortunate people just need to play games people should just get off fucking twitter just literally yeah. just get off twitter oh, i'm the, i i'm on it all the time <laughs> can't say that oh, yeah but then you're not at the same time going out and trying to defend you know things for for no reason right like I'm, I suppose... No, no, I, I, I observe things and then talk shit on a podcast about people. That's what I do. <laughs> I have a platform here. We've, we've got 220 subscribers here that are listening to my voice right now, okay? <laughs> and then we've got some on Spotify as well. So just imagine the amount of people that are hearing me bitch about those bastards on Twitter. It's a lot more a lot more effort for you to be able to do this than to go in and put a you know, tweet under the tweet limit, right? So I, I think yeah. at, that, at that aspect, I think you're absolutely fine. But in terms of the final game on this list, in terms of Steel Rising, it's just shit lies a pee that's all it is it, it looked exactly like that and no i'm not interested if i want to if i want to scratch that soul's itch i'll go to play lies of p and i haven't done that yet so no even though it's free sure i'll redeem it add it to the catalog i know for a fact i'm never going to play that game but maybe rollerdrome might get me at some point in the undisclosed future but it would have to be a fucking quiet spell for it to get me and that's, that's all I'm going to leave it at that. Best move on, shouldn't we? Best move on. So the final piece of quick news for myself, Phil, it, and this is this is something that is, I don't know if it's sad or if it's good news. I'm not really too sure how to take it, but this all came out, um, The Last of Us 2, as you know, with the um, with the remake or the remaster that's come out, uh, there's a documentary for The Last of Us 2, and there's been some really interesting parts in there. Like There was Laura, Laura Bailey talking about the backlash that she had uh, from playing Abby and how she coped with that and what was happening. And that was really moving and really somber. But there was a little piece in here with Neil Druckmann where he was talking about the future of The Last of Us and where it's going. Now, I always assumed from finishing The Last of Us 2 that there was going to be a number three, that it was always planned, that it was always in the cards. And apparently, no, that wasn't always the case. It was a case of they thought, right, we could leave it here or if the, if the idea comes, the concept, then we can look to go ahead. And so I've always thought to myself, right, well, we're talking maybe a year or two out before The Last of Us 3. Absolutely fucking not. This documentary confirmed that Neil Druckmann's only just got the concept together. So we have got a long time until we see The Last of Us return in any form. That is not going to be happening. So concepts in, which means that the writing process, I imagine, will start to take shape soon. But if you're one of those people expecting to see The Last of Us 3, you know, before the end of the generation, hold your horses. What it does do, though, is it means that we're now going into 
brand new territory for Naughty Dog for a while. You know, the two IP they've been working on for a long time now, since PS3, have been Uncharted and Last of Us. And now they are working on a new IP 100% that will be out before the, the end of this generation, I imagine. And that's exciting. So there's some excitement there because I love new IP. And it's nice to know that Last of Us 3 is taking shape, but it's not on the cards. So I, I'm kind of I'm kind of bittersweet on this in terms of it's sad that we're not going to see the last of us three because I really want to see that, but I'm excited about what could, they could be cooking up there in Naughty Dog and I can't wait for that. How how are you feeling about this news, Phil? Very similar, I suppose, in the sense that I am excited about the future of Naughty Dog. I'm excited where this goes. And it was a very interesting documentary. And, you know, Neil really opened up about his thought process when it comes to The Last of Us and the future of the series. Now, I was the same as you. I always expected that we would get a third, a fourth, a fifth, until the money runs out, until the interest dwindles, a little bit like Uncharted, where it got to four and it kind of fell off a little bit of a cliff. I was expecting it to go the same way, where we would just keep getting more and more from this story. But watching this little intro uh, on Twitter that was linked in the doc, it does feel like we'll probably get another remake of one and two before we see three. Because Neil... He's got his concept, but as you said, that's going to be a while until that becomes a fully-fledged game. And we're going to have the highest of high kind of expectations when it comes to this series. We're talking about a Half-Life 3 here. This is why Valve never made Half-Life 3, because expectations are out the fucking roof on this one, and it's going to be the same for The Last of Us Part 3. Neil Druckmann and the guys at Naughty Dog, there is so much weight on those shoulders, and to be honest with you guys, I would just call it a day. I would just do what Half-Life done. I would just call it there. I really would for the sake of the company because if they go down this route and they go into this new concept with part three, they could really do more damage than good here. So business here, roll out another remake of one and two, make the money, put out three and call it a day, guys, because this is a risky proposition for the future of Naughty Dog, as much as I would love for them to absolutely smash out of the park. And that's really what I hope they do. I don't want to be a complete negative Nelly when it comes to Naughty Dog and The Last of Us. But one of the quotes that really stuck out to me when I was watching this was that we would love another Last of Us, Neil says. But if you guys are passionate about something else, we'll support the other thing. Which actually links to what you were saying, Davey, with that possibility that they could have this new single-player single experience coming out, a new IP from Naughty Dog. But when you read it, it does sound like a little bit of a bitch comment, does it? We'll just do whatever you want, guys. We'll do what you want. It's not like the old days where they were like, no, we're making The Last of Us. We know this is going to be the best thing since sliced bread. I think they've been hurt from that multiplayer. I really do. And now it's changed the way they think about gaming because they're bowing down to the bucks rather than doing it for the passion. See, I take it a different way from you. I, I think the way that they're saying about this is that they've got a kind of autonomy that many studios just are not given the opportunity to have in as much as that they can say to themselves right we don't have to do the last of us three at this point like they they have not made a duff game for two generations now at this point christ maybe even since their inception i mean some of the jack games are a bit uh, bit suspect but most of them hit right most of them hit 
And you think ever since like Uncharted anyway, they have not made a, a proper duff game. They just haven't. And they're a studio that I would say don't miss, right? In terms of, you know, Uncharted 1, 2, 3, 4. Yeah, it's a step down, but it's still fucking incredible. Uh, Last was 1 and 2. They, these are all like exceptional games. Like Uncharted 3, fuck. Uncharted 2 and 3, especially rank up there with some of the best games I've ever played, right? I remember when those games came out, they made, like, a huge cultural impact. They were amazing. And then they up it with The Last of Us, and then they up it again, as far as I'm concerned, for The Last of Us 2. There's no reason to say why they wouldn't be able to do that with a new IP or The Last of Us 3, but I think what it means is that Sony are in the position where they're not like, I don't know, fucking... They're not like Media Molecule, right? Where at this point, they got to shit or get off the pot, <laughs> They're not like that. They, they've they got the ability where they've got so much, just a constant track record of winning that now they could, Sony could say, right, well, if you've got this idea and you think it's going to work, we trust you. Here's the funding. Get it done on your own time. Do it. Like Rockstar are with GTA. No one's going to be rushing them to say like, oh, do you mind? Can, can it come out this? Can it come out this year? No, just fucking take all the time you need, Rockstar. You guys just fucking absolutely deliver. It's the same kind of thing with this. And then, who knows? That new IP they release could be the next, the best thing since fucking sliced bread. And then we say, oh, do we really want them to go back to The Last of Us? Do we want them to do that? Like, it could be that kind of thing. And if that's the case, then they'll listen to that and say, actually, yeah, let's mine this for more. So I, that's how I'm taking it anyway. With great power comes great responsibility, mate. And they are, as you've said, the big swinging dick in you know, the, the crown of PlayStation. They are the big jewel in the front. Now, failure here, as I said, could be very detrimental to them, and especially when it comes to their starring IP, which is The Last of Us these days. It's not Uncharted. This is why they moved off Uncharted and they concentrated on The Last of Us because they make so much more money with the IP. Now, going out with the new IP, I think, is the wise choice here. So, no, I'm, I'm, I am backing that. I am thinking that that is the, the road they are going to take and we'll be seeing something new from Naughty Dog. But, of course, as soon as we see anything, it'll feature in our quick news and then we'll bring it into a rumour, ask you if you believe it, and then maybe it'll end up as a topic. And then it'll jump to what we've been playing because we'll definitely be playing it. That's usually the run of these things, guys. Yeah, normally how it goes and to round things out for tonight on quick news i've got some stats and i've got some stats on capcom for q3 for the year 2024 and that's the fiscal year that ends in april so that's from 2023 to 2024 now revenue their return is 719 million now stay with me i'm going to go through a bunch of stats that is up 33% year on year. Operating income, 323 million. That is up 43% year on year. Sales and profit is up due to the catalogue of sales growing in Q3. Street Fighter 6, over 2.9 million units sold. Game sales grew from uh, 29.1 million units to 32.6 million units. And they've sold 32.6 million units, Q3, up 2.5 million year on year. And to give you the TLDR, if all that just went over your head, Capcom are fucking killing it, okay? Their franchises are absolutely booming at the moment. You've got the game that cannot be mentioned, 154 million units. 
Monster Hunter, 97, Street Fighter, 53, Mega Man, 41, Devil May Cry, 30, and Dragon Dogma to end out my stats with 8.4 million units. I haven't even got that many games. Jesus Christ, that's a lot of games. Capcom, I salute you. Capcom doing God's work. Absolutely God's work. You think we ended our best games of the year, right, for 2023. Two of them in that top three were Capcom games in Street Fighter and the game that can't be mentioned for Remake. They've had an absolutely incredible year. And we don't even play Monster Hunter. And they've had new Monster Hunters. They've had new Phoenix Wrights. They, they've done a, a load of new Mega Man games this year. And we haven't even spoke about any of those. We've just been focusing on the two franchises that stick for us. And this year, they got Dragon's Dogma, which looks absolutely nuts good. Every single thing I see about that game looks amazing. They're on such a win streak right now. And they've managed to go... They've done such a huge transition... You know, when you talk, think about where they were in, say, the tail end of the PS3, start of PS4, it was rough. I mean, sure, like, the Game Come You Mentioned 6 was selling, like, hotcakes, right? The most successful, uh, well, the second most successful game that can't be mentioned after 5. And they were just absolutely sourcing it up uh, in terms of the money, but they were losing goodwill with their players. And then Street Fighter Five comes out, fucking sucks ass as far as most players are concerned they managed to bring it back over the course of that life of that product and here we are now where they got like their newest devil may cry absolutely kicked ass everyone loved it new street fighter kicked ass the game which can't be mentioned has been on an absolute run since seven with not really hitting a low point unless you count three remake which we still really loved they are just absolutely murdering it and it's no surprise what happens. You look after your players, you put out good quality products, it's fucking sells and you set new records. It's not hard to do. It's really not rocket science. You put the money in, you put time in, you come up with good concepts that a pro player, you get the money back. That is it. There is nothing else to it. And IP management is something that not many, not many publishers get right. You think about how many things that Konami has fucked over the years where they've just let Castlevania go to waste. Metal Gear is completely dry at the moment other than the fact that we've got three remake coming out. All these things that just have so much potential to be able to make money. And Silent Hill especially won't be in one of those. And then on the other side of that coin, you've got Capcom just literally looking after everything and making it all hit. Which one's doing well at the moment? Capcom. Well done, Capcom, as you said, Phil. Fucking super well done. You cannot argue with those stats. And I know we've been accused of being almost Capcom apologists in the past by certain people of the community because we are very pro-Capcom. You know, we absolutely love the game that cannot be mentioned. We love it so much that if we were able to mention it, it would end up becoming that show because we talk about it a lot and we've had to include, you know, a forfeit for mentioning this game because we love it so much. You know, you built a whole YouTube channel around this game and that's gone on and it's now doing gangbusters in the amount of subscribers, likes and views that you are getting on it. And we all absolutely love the Capcom Street Fighter series. You know, we are long advocates for that game tournament as well as kind of like the single player when you're grinded away online so there is a lot to like within Capcom and those are the two IPs that really stick to us obviously there are people out there that like a lot of the other games I know 
Spencer, he's a big Devil May Cry fan as well. So there is a lot to like for Capcom. But yeah, as I said, hats off to Capcom. They are absolutely killing it. And it's no real surprise because we've been talking them up a storm all the way through. We've always been supporting you and keep going, guys. And that rounds things out for our quick news. There's no forfeits to hand out. There was no bets made. But next time we'll be bringing you some more jeopardy when we come into quick news because I'll have to think something up because otherwise episode 90, as I said, might be quite dry. So let's move things on. And we've got a couple of rumours to discuss. Kick it! Wake up with a rumor and you don't want to go. You ask if it's confirmed and they still say no. Rumor has it, guys. We have got two fresh rumors on here. But the first one of this is Capcom related. We were just talking about them and here we go again. And the button is going to be off for this, Phil. Because I think otherwise it's just going to be an absolute fucking nightmare to read. And if anyone was listening to the podcast <laughs> for the first time, the game that can't be mentioned is, of course, Resident Evil. So, a reliable leaker, Dust Golem, claims he knows of five, yes, yeah, right, five different Resident Evil projects currently being developed by Capcom. Now, one of these, he said, is, of course, Resident Evil 9. So that leaves four others up for potential, I guess. How do you feel about this? And if I might be so brazen, do you want to take a stab at having a guess of what you think they potentially could be? Of course, no shots on the line for this, because these are projects that are going to be many years out when you talk about five of them. Okay. Damn, I really wanted to put some shots on this one. But it, it will probably be on episode 190 by the time this is fulfilled. So we're saying five projects. And we already know one of those is Resident Evil 9. Okay, the progression of the series. Now, I think this was pretty easy. I didn't think about this too much. So I'm quite interested to know if you're going to come at a left wing here with something special. Because I'm just going for the obvious. I think it's going to be Resident Evil 5, Resident Evil Code Veronica, Resident Evil Zero Remake, and then we're going to get Outbreak. Oh, fuck. Simple as. Oh. Jesus. Well, I'm kind of I'm kind of there with you a little bit. So Resident Evil 5 remake, 100%. Can see that. Uh, Code Veronica, yeah. Then from there, it gets a little bit ropey, right? I think they're definitely going to do a multiplayer one because they seem to be trying to stab into it. But I've got a feeling they're not going to get it right again and that it won't be Outbreak. I think it would be like a standalone multiplayer experience that, again, will be pretty shit. I've just got the oh. feeling, yeah, I, I I, don't think that will happen. It's not just going to be a mercenaries game, is it? Like a standalone oh. mercenaries game or something like that. Why do this to us? You've got a game which is loved by the community, right? And it's not huge. You, you could make this into something new. You could progress the story for all those little tidbits throughout Resident Evil. There's so many dark spots within the story that you could draw from in literally any of the games and you could just do a chapter in each one and just fill in some gaps this is a perfect game for that you wouldn't need to make a new resident evil just to kind of answer some questions outbreak could answer 10 questions because it'll have 10 different missions on it and none of it needs to link together because they're all individual it's obvious for me but hey i don't work at capcom 
Just do a podcast. I know. It's madness, man. Like, it would just make perfect sense for that. And if that was the list, if your list came to fruition, oh my God, I'd be over the fucking moon. So for me, I'm thinking it's going to be Resident Evil 5 remake. It's going to be Code Veronica remake. Uh, You've got RE9. So at least two more slots open. I think the best way of doing this would be what I asked for them to do. I think one of these is going to be an Origins collection. Which will which will put like the originals all together, and then I think they'll skip over zero, and I think you'd have one being remade again, which I will not like. But I think they will redo one, and they'll be able to incorporate elements of zero into that. So what they could do is they could then show like, for example, you see Rebecca for the first time, and this time instead of her being scared of the hunter, which makes no sense whatsoever, it could then show like flash over to Bravo team, so it could show like alpha team coming in and then they meet up with like joseph for example you know the guy who gets pecked by crows or whatever um they can meet up with him um or like the guy who gets bitten by a snake i can't remember his name now richard i think his name is in resident evil one he gets bitten by yawn and you save him right and then he, he sacrificed himself to the sharks down in the uh the aqua ring they can meet up with him and then he could be like oh you we've been on some crazy shit this happened earlier whoo flashback to zero and you play like moments of zero but not like the entire thing and and then maybe that's a dlc that they put out down the line bravo it'd be like alpha team's mission or bravo team's mission whatever and then you get to see that happen and i think that would be the way that i would probably go about doing re1 again would try and tie it up a little bit better because at the moment zero and one don't really make much sense if you play them like they're supposed to happen kind of concurrently but not it's kind of a bit ropey right like it's kind of a bit weird so the end of zero starts with rebecca you know coming out and looking over at the mansion and then walking down towards that while billy fucks off never to be seen again (laughs) so yeah he's just gone so i I he survived he survived so he did the right thing really didn't he he did but then did he get blown up in the nuke in three don't know who knows or maybe he just got bitten in the woods by a by a zombie dog who knows <laughs> he just died of something else yeah cold <laughs> yeah he just caught a cold <laughs> he, he, he caught covid and died it just wasn't <laughs> wasn't wasn't video game worthy right <laughs> yeah so, so that's you know the just way... him sat in his house just coughing away to himself <laughs> survived the t-virus and the all the you know resident evil viruses but no covid got me oh, he was one of them he was one of them got hit in yeah. like 98 or he's into that like <laughs> auto asphyxiation fetish and he just died by strangling himself wanking furiously about rebecca and that was it that was wow. no more from him and then the nuke comes we've, over and covers up the evidence we've all tried over a boat well when she's in that when she's in that basketball uniform that you go for a clicking Oof. on the desk 50 times that's worth it that is well worth it that picture but yeah that's that's my kind of theory i think they're going to bundle it not do outbreak and they'll do a revision of one which definitely does not fucking need it and they will end up ruining one of the best games of all time by making it more like the rest of the series now and i think one just does not need that treatment but how would you feel if my kind of more sombering view of, of the five Resident Evil projects came to fruition? I'd be hugely disappointed. But unfortunately, you're much much more connected, I suppose, to the community and what's happening with this IP that is loved by the two of us. You know, I, I, I play the games and I read what populates on my Twitter. But I know and you obviously spend a lot of time 
research in the games when you've put them out on your YouTube channel, your very successful YouTube channel. Of course, the uh, URL will be in the description below. I always like to put a bit of a, a shout out, a little bit of self-promotion within these videos for Davy's channel because it is superb what you do over there, mate. Well done. But I'm, I'm not liking where you're taking this. And maybe you are just concentrating on that kind of juxtaposition between Resident Evil 0 and Resident Evil 1 and the confusion between the two. Because having played both of them, yes, they don't really link, but they link enough. It's Resident Evil. You just need to dispend your disbelief on a lot of things. Fucking hell, we had Chris in a volcano punching like a big boulder, right? That wasn't real either. Like, how the hell did that happen, right? There are so many moments in Resident Evil that actually you can just go... Eh, it's just Resident Evil. I can just kind of accept that this all really doesn't make sense, but I love it anyway because it is Resident Evil. And without those Resident Evil moments, it wouldn't be the IP I really love. So me mentioning what I did, I suppose, when I was talking about Outbreak and it filling in a few of the gaps, it could possibly go down that route and show our, our star girl, Rebecca, getting that amnesia and forgetting about everything <laughs> that happens in Resident Evil Zero because that was one of our theories that every time, every day she wakes up, her mind just completely <laughs> blanks and she forgets about what happened on those previous days. So maybe in Outbreak, you do get that level where she catches or she catches, she, she goes through some amnesia and loses her memory somehow or maybe it's a sister maybe there's a twin sister called exactly the same name and dresses exactly the same way you know stranger things have happened in resident evil it's true it's true maybe maybe that maybe there's like an evil version and a good version maybe that Ooh. will all come to pass in resident evil 9 who knows maybe they'd be seeding it all this time <laughs> but, but no i think i think you're the way you're coming at it would be the ideal for me i think if if we did get you know, Outbreak, Code Veronica, RE5, all these things uh, come to pass. And like a Zero remake, fuck me, Zero, Zero remake would be lush because that game would work so well as a co-op game. Like it would actually work so fucking well if they just did that and had full co-op. You could see there's so much potential for that to be remade with a different spin on it that still works super, super well compared to re1 which i i don't think will ever be topped from what's already there so who, who knows man if yours comes to pass capcom have nailed it if mine comes to pass i'll still love it because we get co-veronica remake and i'll be happy as fuck with that but everything else would kind of be a bit like a bit of a dampener a little bit but Listeners, viewers, we are never right with these predictions, so it'll be something completely different altogether with these lists. So don't worry, we're just throwing a few hypotheticals out there. But when you're talking about the remake of Resident Evil Zero, I think this is the time they could realise that dream. Because I think when they went back to Resident Evil and they released it all those years ago, I think I believe it was on the GameCube, wasn't it? That's that right. That they had some big ideas with Resident Evil, the way of introducing that co-op aspect into the game where you sort of switch between the characters right if they were to do that now on ps5 imagine what they could create because they've got the ability they've got the budget now to be able to fully lean into that and really push forward with that idea which i think kind of wasn't 
perfectly executed with the original there were some great aspects of it yes and it's very memorable for for me I, it was one of my most loved resident evils back in the day i loved the kind of switching between the characters and, and dropping items here so the other one could pick things up etc etc but now they could go to the next level with that and really elevate it and that's exactly what i want them to do with resident evil 5 as well because again it's not the most popular Resident Evil, but it is one of my favorites. It's the one that sticks with me, I suppose, more for the journey that we took together playing it co-op than the actual story of the game, although it does feature my favorite character in the Resident Evil series, Albert Wesker, very heavily. So they could really just elevate that story, bring it back down away from, I suppose, the action-centric Resident Evil 5, a lot like what they did for Resident Evil 4, make it slightly more horror or really lean into the horror aspect of that but still have that co-op which i suppose actually is a bit of a contradiction because as soon as you introduce co-op kind of the fear disappears so they need to do something special with resident evil 5 i don't have the answers on this one i just know what i want i want a scary co-op resident evil 5 is that possible i think it is possible and i think what you're doing there with tying it into zero makes perfect sense because if they did manage say for example five they come out and they say look there's two characters in Chris and Sheva, just like there always was, but now they're not together. Now they're maybe separated by something, maybe this like the same way that, you know, Claire and Leon are, where there's a truck explode and they get on, caught on opposite sides of it, whatever the case. And then you're either working independently as a co-op or you're doing it the same way that Zero does, where you switch control of one to the other on your own button press. They could revision, totally re-envision how RE5 is. And I don't think there'll be anybody that would be angry about that. Like with 4, it's so beloved that you have to be, you have to kind of follow the same kind of core moments that happen in that game for anyone to feel like, okay, they've done this justice. You have to have the minecart. You have to have all these different moments that happen. Whereas 5, I don't think there would be that kind of outrage if they did completely just re-envision it and they could do that in the same way that zero does and if they nail that then zero they can go back and then give that another kind of revisionist treatment to make it even better than it already is I like the way of thinking there because you're right. I don't think people are so precious about Resident Evil 5, even though it's sold crazy when it came out. But I think, you know, Capcom pivoted and really went for the money and really went for, you know, what was popular at the time with Resident Evil 5. And forgive me if I'm wrong, Resident Evil 5 did have some aspects of the game where you did get split up. And I think there was always a bit of a timer aspect to it between Chris and Shiva and she had to throw over a weapon or you were walking along a balcony and and the other guy had like um, uh, a sniper rifle and you had to take people out and watching people. So if they really did lean into that aspect of it, right? And it still could be two player, not switching between the two. And then they nailed that then they could really go to the next level with Resident Evil Zero. I think there's the natural progression. I think they're more free to do some wild things with Resident Evil 5 because you're right, I don't feel like people are as precious about that game as they would be for, for 4 and definitely for 1 if they start changing it like you want or don't want. I don't want, yeah, don't want. I don't want, I don't want one touched ever again. I'll be quite happy if we get like 40 years down the line and then we're still going back and just this being you know, an 8K version of resident evil 1 remake and it's just exactly the same game but just in 8k now you know like i'm, I'm more than happy with that Perfect. i think some things don't need to be changed when you've got gameplay perfection why fuck with it 
just don't don't fuck with it. It's perfect as it is. Anyone who doesn't like tank controls, you're already in the fuck. You're on Phil. I tell you what, Phil. I'm adding people to your list now. You got your list for people list. who don't like. They're on the fucking list. If you don't like tank controls, grow up. Just get over it. If we're doing tank controls, though, how is Resident Evil Co. Veronica going to progress? Oh, imagine they did Co. Veronica with tank controls, man. Just like it was in the original. I know they won't because they've not done it for Resident Evil 2 Remake or 3 Remake or 4. So they're never going to do that. It's never going to happen. It's never, ever going to happen. It will imagine, be... though. With, oh. with that DLC for Resident Evil 5 that we had the tank controls and kind of like the, the, the top-down view, imagine they... They, they basically did that for Resident Evil Code Veronica and then just upscaled things and then they put a bit of polish on it. That's all I kind of want from oh. Code Veronica, really. Oh, man, it, that's the dream, right? But that dream is never going to be reality. They've, they've made so much bank from having this over-the-shoulder stuff uh, for Resident Evil 2 and 3 Remake and, and now 4. That is a fucking pipe dream, mate. An absolute pipe. It's a dream... And I would love it so much, but you can already see that those people that aren't already into survival horror, these these newer people that have come up now with, say, 2 Remake and, like, even Spence may be one of these, right? Where he's come up with that style. Sure, he's played the old ones now, but if they did that, it's never going to sell as much as it would do if it was over the shoulder. It never will. But do all of these need to be AAA? No. That's what I'm saying. Could could you not, because they're, they're developing quite a few games here, could you not have one at a slightly reduced budget here, but more like as a bit of a fan service game, which I suppose Code Veronica kind of is, right? It's only the real fans of Resident Evil that I hear talk about Code Veronica or have even really played Code Veronica. You know, most people that kind of sit outside the community, what are they going to talk about? They're talking about Resident Evil 4, the new ones, maybe 5 and 6? Yeah. It's it's a shame though, right? Because Code Veronica is the real Resident Evil 3. I love Resident Evil 3 as mm. much as the next guy. In fact, it's one of my favorites, the OG. But Code Veronica is the real Resident Evil 3. That's what progresses the story on. It's everything. It's the Code Veronica, for those who don't know, is the culmination of what the classic Resident Evil formula could be. It's really long. It's got a dynamic camera, but it's still kind of fixed. Still tank controls really long, like 14 hours, which is crazy long for a Resident for a classic Resident Evil. You know, most of them are six hours, so it was really fucking long. And the story's wild. The story's absolutely nuts. But it really shows Mental twist in it. <laughs> oh, it's insane. It shows everything. Yeah, insane. <laughs> insane twist. And especially nowadays, <laughs> that twist is even like I, I don't know. I, I I can't even mention the twist. I think we get cancelled if we talk about the twist. Yeah. We really do. It, it's like, how is Capcom going to handle that? Oh, I, That's I, another question, really. Oh, I don't know. You can't move away from it because it's kind of the whole driving force of Code Veronica. So you can't. You'll just have to be really somehow respectful. And I never got... Yeah. And maybe we'd have to reach out to, to somebody in the community to ask them if, if they find that offensive or not. But... I I don't know. I don't know if it is offensive or not. I don't... I never find it problematic. But then again, I'm not... And I don't... I can't even say because otherwise it gives away the twist for those who don't know. All I'm going to say is that I think with a game like Code Veronica, that is the game that if they did do that at a lower budget, you and me would be disappointed. Even though, right, all we want, ideally, 
is it upscaled, right? That's all we want. And yeah. it's just fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? That's, yeah. All, that's all we want. 100%. That's it. Done. But I think for how important Code Veronica is, it needs to have the full kind of high-budget, AAA aspect that, say, Resident Evil 2 and 4 have had. I think it deserves that because it is so important of a game. Do you think, though, with all these remakes and almost reimaginings of some of these games, that they really need to thread the story closer together with everything? I think that moves away from the Beauty of Resident Evil you know, series in general. It goes back to what we were saying with the changes to, to Resident Evil 1 and 0. If, if, they, if, if it doesn't have that weirdness, it moves too far away from it being Resident Evil for me. Now, I, I don't want them to thread it too close together. I, I kind of like that weirdness in it so i don't want them to move away as you said just just remake it upscale it i'd be very very happy but i think you are right they probably will go for that that high budget that high polish uh, of the success of resident evil 4 and kind of just try and replicate that now throughout all these series is until we get bored which i don't think we personally will but maybe the wider community will tying it together is a kind of double-edged sword because for four it heightened the experience having it tie in because it was always so so separate from the original trilogy that with the files that you found, it tied it all in, made it seem make a lot more sense. Everything just kind of all came together and it aided that game. I suppose it all depends, and this is the big question that will forever haunt it in the same way that Resident Evil 2 Remake is an amazing game, but is it superior to the original? No. And most of that is because there's a lot of cut content for Resident Evil 2, right? Like, 2 Remake got rid of zapping, it got rid of separate, totally separate scenarios, all these different things where they all cross over. It got rid of the unique things within the game that made it the game. But this, you know, we, we were just talking about, like, removing, you know, the unique selling point from a game when we were talking about, what was it, Subnautica in a previous topic. Make sure you watch the rest of the show if this is foreign to you. But as soon as you remove that USP it loses its aspect of that game. And this is what I don't want to happen with the Resident Evil series at all, with any of these remakes. And it did, unfortunately, happen to my, my favourite game of, you know, the, the series, which is Resident Evil 2. I was really looking forward to this remake. But those, like, very special aspects that maybe a lot of people probably didn't even notice... That's the problem, right? Because they're quite subtle in parts, some of the aspects within Resident Evil 2, and they removed them, and you didn't really get too much backlash apart from the real hardcore. Yeah, exactly right. I, I think it's all going to come down to when they do Code Veronica, it's a, it's a tough ask because it's a lot of puzzles, a lot more than they've done in any of these Resident Evil games. Four, surprisingly, had more puzzles than two Remake did. So maybe they are kind of toying with that a little bit, but Code Veronica's nuts. Code Veronica's puzzles, like, immediately when you start. Like, the fire extinguisher, if you don't carry that with you for, like, 99% of the game, which you'd never think to do, you just get locked out of, like, some proper heavy-hitting objects. And you'd have no way of knowing that, oh, yeah, I need this later on, right? There's just no way of knowing. Um, I, I think it's going to be a tricky one for them to do. And that would be their biggest kind of, their biggest struggle. But I think one thing that I've learned from Capcom now is that what they've done with 4 Remake and being able to grow that into a game which just, to me, completely eclipses the original, yeah. they're in a strong place in terms of my faith in them. And I feel like they could nail it. Time will tell. And I suppose the bigger thing to know with this, Phil, 
is do you believe this rumor? Do you believe that five projects for Resident Evil are in active development right now? Oh, 100%. They're making bank, mate. We've just gone through the financial figures for Capcom. It's a complete no-brainer. It's a very successful series. It's a very much loved series. And we're at an all-time high when it comes to Resident Evil and when it comes to Capcom. Obviously, they're going through the back catalogue now and they're just going to make more buck, starting with one of the more popular series or more popular um, additions of Resident Evil, which in my opinion would be Resident Evil 5 they start with. Oh, you're thinking that's first. I'm thinking that they're going to do Co-Veronica first. I think that you got RE9 next, then Co-Veronica, and then fuck knows where from there. But I think you've got to have Co-Veronica because that shows what happens to Wesker for 5. So I think you've got to come out with that first. Again, do you do need that in the story? I don't think so. <laughs> you just kind not. of forgive it. Like you could jump into five and just be like, yeah, Wesker's got superpowers, whatever. Alice had superpowers in the bloody movie. No one really cared where they come from. It was just cool visuals, wasn't it? And let's be real. Wesker does some Matrix shit in Resident Evil 5. Imagine how cool that's going to look on a PS5. Ho ho, I'm excited. <laughs> Cannot wait for Resident Evil 5. And, and to be fair, Probably part of that is I love Resident Evil 5, so I do want to see a remake and I want to see it done well. Yeah, we'll wait and see. And I'm completely with you. I, I totally believe this rumour. I think there definitely yeah. is five in, in development. You and me have made the case for a load of different games here. Christ, we could have had six or seven uh, different projects greenlit for Capcom. All we got to hope, listeners, and I hope you join us on this, is that Outbreak is one of them. Pray to your God no matter what god that is if you're if you're praying for if you're praying to Jesus Christ himself or to Thor whoever i don't give a fuck just ask them for outbreak cuz that's all we really need now let's move on to the next rumor okay listeners viewers here we go with a rumor and this rumor surrounds uncharted drake's fortune that's correct the original uncharted the ps3 classic that sparked one of sony's biggest franchises is reportedly getting a remake like everything else now davy I've got a couple of questions for you, and we've also got a listener question to back this up. But let's have a quick discussion about what you hope from this remake, and what would it change to the original formula? What are you expecting? What would you love to see with this? And could you see this happening? Two words for you, mate. Eddie Raja. I want to see Eddie Raja survive. <laughs> that guy was an absolute don, a proper G, and he went out, and he should never have. I love Eddie Raja. So hopefully he comes back with gold pistols, and he's in to live another day, because that, that's all I really need. But in all seriousness, the first game is a bit ropey, right? You go back to it, and, and Uncharted 2 was such a fundamental leap above the first one in every single way like bigger scale better scope gameplay much better story is just expanded so much that i think if any of them need a remake it is definitely uncharted 1 100 and i could see this happening i think this is a true thing i think this would make sense for someone to be working on this what i want basically is just the things that got introduced in uncharted 2 3 and 4 to be brought back into one Obviously, the thing I don't want is that fucking rope. I don't want that mechanic, which just flooded through all of Uncharted 4. But I want the same kind of polish, the uh, expansiveness, the way the game feels and the way cutscenes are delivered and everything in Uncharted 2 and 3 is such a step up that 
putting that revisionist history back onto one will heighten one to such a huge level. What about you? Well, from my point of view, the original Uncharted, okay, so we're talking about Drake's Fortune here, came out in 2007. I think that was PS3 days, right? So long ago. So I'm quite surprised that it hasn't happened now because it's the way we kind of consume video games right they're on a cycle that every couple of years we get a remake an upscale a reimagine a director's cut whatever you want to call it a cash-in some people will say about certain games now this is happening the same for uncharted and i am very glad they're starting at the beginning and working it the way through because i haven't got the stats in front of me but i can safely assume drake's fortune wasn't the most successful out of the franchise we're not doing metal gear here and jumping in with the fan favorite just to cash in we are starting from the beginning and working through like we should now it's a no-brainer it's obvious it was going to happen but it was just a matter of time they're just going to remake the game refine the assets the same as they did for the last of us and personally uncharted 4 it didn't leave me with the best aftertaste after completing that game so i'm glad they've waited some time now before announcing this before going back and remaking these games because i think if they had gone into drake's fortune straight after uncharted 4 as a remake i probably would have given it a miss because i've had enough of that rope that you alluded to davy because that spoiled it there was too much repetition within uncharted 4 and when we get to that remake i really hope that's a reimagining they want to do something different with that and take a hard look at themselves because uncharted 4 it just didn't hit for me but as i said drake's fortune coming back it's a plus point for me because i did love that game and i love that franchise and we've got two and three to come and those were the two that i really really enjoyed so the future's looking very very bright if this is to believed but davy You've answered my introductory questions. Now I've got a question from a viewer. There once was a show some time ago that asked four questions every fortnight or so. It became so rare they weren't prepared to have a personal rhyme. Oh God, I'm scrambling now to get a word that rhymes. So how can I wrap this up? I'll take this mail and go. Every time I hear that intro for the listener mail, send shivers. We need more listener mail. And the way you do that, we've got multiple ways. You can email in to pswetrust at gmail.com. You can tweet us or X us or whatever they call it now over on X or Twitter. I don't know what we're calling the website. You just at mpswetrust or Davey, myself or Spencer. All the URLs will be in the description below. But guys, surprise, surprise, who has messaged in to us? Who has replied? That's right. It's the hot dog himself, Mr. Lurian. He's back again with a cryptic question for us. And he asks, would you rather a known third-party studio remake Uncharted like Blooper did for Silent Hill 2 or like Blooper is doing for Silent Hill 2? A brand new, unproven studio spun up and partnered with Sony, i.e. a second party like Ballistic Moon was with Until Dawn, 
or three, Naughty Dog themselves remake the game. So Davey, one, two, or three, what are we talking about? Are we talking about a known studio, an unknown studio, or are we handing it back to Naughty Dog and saying, run this back, motherfucker? So those are my choices. Because I would have liked to have had another option in here, number four, and then say it's one of the other studios that PlayStation own. Because we don't know all their projects, and there's rumours being, being doing, the, doing the absolute gambit that there are other studios within Sony themselves that are looking to do it, namely Ben Studio. So the guys who made Days Gone, there's been rumours doing the gambit for a while that they're on the case for a Naughty Dog remake. I would love that as an option, but seeing as that is not on the cards, and this is what uh, Lurian has asked, out of these three options, I don't want Naughty Dog doing it themselves. I agree with you, Lurian, that I don't want them to be distracted with anything else. They've wasted enough time with the multiplayer project for Last of Us 2, and it's time for them to just knuckle down and to get this new IP out the door and give it to us because I'm very fucking hungry for it. So that leaves me with either a known third-party studio like Bluber or a brand-new unproven studio spun up and partnered by Sony. Out of those two options, do you know what? I'm going to go for a brand-new unproven studio spun up and partnered by Sony. Sony, at the moment, are on an absolute win when it comes to second-party relationships. You think of all the games that are coming out from the China project. They've now got the India project, which is cooking up some absolute stormers as well. I think one thing for certain this generation is that Sony have been really hitting gold when it comes to the second party things. They strengthened the relationship they have with Square, with the way that they're handling the Final Fantasy series. Uh, they're really hitting gold with Arrowhead right now, and that's a second party relationship. They're just nailing it. Stellar Blade looks insanely good, and that's a second party relationship. All these things are just reaping reward for the PlayStation Nation right now. And I think with so many developers that are being laid off at the moment, you know, like 1900 going from just Activision Blizzard themselves, there's a lot of talent in the market that have nowhere to go. And all you have to do for PlayStation is to, to go after some of these people that are really prolific across all of these development studios, you know, like all the Embracer group with all those guys going through what they're going through. There's a lot of untapped talent that could find a home in a brand new studio that starts off second party, releases this, gets on the good front of PlayStation, and then will get offered more money to do things. And next thing you know, we're talking next generation PS6, they end up joining the family. That's how we've got some amazing studios in the past working with PlayStation that have then become first party. And I think it starts here. And when you've got this amount of talent that's available out in the marketplace right now looking for a home, it's time when Sony can come by and say, hey, we've got this project that we're looking for a home. Do you think you guys could do it? And then someone says, yeah, let me get a team together. Goes out, gets a team of all these amazing developers that have gone from really prestigious studios and can create a super force. And you think like Respawn, came from one of these things, right? Like they were all ex-COD developers that then just went off to do their own thing and made like Apex Legends, and then made Jedi and all these different projects. You can really make gold with the amount of people that have gone. And sure, some of them have already been snapped up now and, you know, Haven and all these different developers, but there's a lot more out there. And that would be my money. That would be the, the option that I would choose if I was Sony Big Brass. 
What about you, Phil? Well, I think we can all agree, and Lurin included, that we don't want Naughty Dog to be spending their time remaking Uncharted. Although they are the guys that, that developed it, that created their game. This is their IP, so they would know it best. But as I alluded to earlier, I didn't like what they did with Uncharted 4. So I think we need to bring in a new kind of viewpoint on the series. Now, I don't want them to really change too much when it comes to Drake Fortune. As I said, let's just improve the visuals and then just patch up things to bring it to the newer consoles, to bring it to PS5 if we're expecting it in the next couple of years. But hell, it might even get on the PS5 Pro, but that's a topic for a different time. But Davey, unfortunately, I'm going to have to disagree with you. And I'm not just doing it to be contrary here, because I think Uncharted, when you say that name, it has some gravitas. It has a certain level of distinction within the world of PlayStation. And I think it's too risky to give it to a brand new, unproven studio out there. Now, as much as Blooper's version of Silent Hill 2 isn't looking the best, now we've got high hopes for Silent Hill and what they're gonna be doing there. And fingers crossed, they can polish that turd a little bit further because it looked a little ropey when we saw those visuals. I'm really hoping for a third party, a known third party, so option one, to come in and remake Uncharted, but stick closely to the source material. And I want them to work with Naughty Dog closely on this one because I don't want any problems on launch. And I know the Uncharted collection, when that came out, there was a lot of grumblings around the release of that. Now, I don't want that to go down there because we're, we're starting off a new track here, aren't we, with Uncharted? We're bringing it back to life now this is the make or break for the series if this isn't successful we're not going to get two and three and as i said earlier davy two and three is where my money's at two and three is where my interest is at for the series they were my favorite specifically three so i hope we get that far into this so fingers crossed as I said, I've chosen a known third-party studio coming in, remaking Uncharted, Drake's Fortune, doing a good job, working closely with Naughty Dog, and then progressing through the series. One, two, three, and then four, you've got the goodwill to be able to do something special there. That's what I'm hoping for. Oh, i tell you what, either option would fucking kick ass. I think if Naughty Dog did it themselves, I'd be gutted. I really would. But any other option apart from that is good times all round. Now, I don't want to put you on the spot here, but I am. Is there a studio that you ideally would like to go and make this? To be honest, I, I find this such a difficult question because I don't have the spreadsheet in front of me of all the projects, all the different development companies are sort of working on at the time. And I know on a previous show, you absolutely rinsed me for picking, I think, one of the uh, uh, God of War producers, I think it was. And I was saying if they were coming back, they could bring back a heavenly sword. So unfortunately, no. I'm just putting it out, I'm putting it in Sony's hands, and I'm saying they would make the best decision on this one, rather than just me sat on a podcast picking out a name from a hat. Fair enough. I think for me, if I could go for any studio in the world, and they're not a third party, it would just be Blue... It wouldn't be Blue... <laughs> It'll be Blue Point. It would be Blue Point, baby. Yeah, of course it would. It would have to be Blue Point. Like, they're the best at remaking it. I know they did, and you were saying about, like, the, the struggles with um, uh, the Uncharted trilogy. Well, they were the ones who first went back and did it, 
um, and it was fine for consoles. But then the PC the PC launches for Uncharted 4, I think, was a bit ropey, uh, and a few of the others that they had on there. Uh, I think that's where it was. But uh, yeah, Bluepoint would fucking kill it. But do I want them working on this? No, fuck no. You got Bloodborne to, to remake. So, you know, Jesus Christ, don't start, don't, don't go here. Stay away, Blue Point, because you've got too much to do. You've got a new resistance you're working on, new Legacy of Kane. Um, <laughs> now we're know, dreaming. Like, now yeah, we're dreaming. Yeah. They've got everything else to do. So, no, I don't want them working on this, but they would be the best because they're just fucking untouchable. But, yeah. All right. Well, I'll tell you what, audience, if you've got any ideas for which third party studio you would like to see. Uh, take the reins of Uncharted. Let us know right into the email psvtrust.gmail.com or hit us up on any of the socials and we will include it in episode 86, which will be in two weeks' time. But let's move it on to the topic. Stop! Topic time! And we have arrived at the topic and today's topic is another rumour. Jesus Christ, it is rumour fucking central today. This one is something that I was very glad to see but I'm going to put the feelers out there already. <laughs> I don't know. This seems like pie in this. This seems like something we've been hoping for for a long time. But let me let me give you where this is from. So I got this rumor directly from Twitter, and here's what the rumor says. I'm just going to read it verbatim. Okay, a new PlayStation handheld powered by AMD is in early development. It's apparently got 12 CUs, 1.8 gigahertz, or slower GPU to maintain compatibility with PS4 and PS5 titles. A new report has stated that Sony is actively working with AMD to create a new handheld. It will be in the same line as something like a Steam Deck. The handheld will be capable of playing PS4 games and some PS5 games with a patch, according to source. Moore's Law is dead. This is an active development, so anything can happen. The handheld is meant to be for the PS6 family of products, so it's years out. Now, first off, Phil, I think I already know the answer to this. And if you're listening to the podcast and you've been listening to us for a while, audience, you should know what we're going to think about this. But Phil, would you be excited to see a new PlayStation proper handheld come up, a la PlayStation Vita 2, or your own supposed one that you mentioned a few episodes ago on the podcast? Yes. Yes, I would. Because every opportunity we've had to make a prediction, and we've done 95 episodes plus some supplemental bits here and there, and every time there's any opportunity to say what we possibly would want from PlayStation, it's always fallen on having a portable hardware device to be able to play our games. We got a slice of the action with PlayStation Portal. Now this handheld you couldn't load games on, it was all about streaming games. Now this is a step further. Now PlayStation Portal, it sold like hotcakes. And I know a lot of people within the community, including yourself, Davey, you boo-hooed PlayStation Portal. You absolutely hated its guts. I quote, Phil, if you get one, when I'm over, I will break it. You were going to smash up my PlayStation Portal, weren't you? Because you hated the, the device. You just disliked it so much. Now, actually, I haven't been able to acquire one of these because they sold so many so quickly. And I currently have a bid out there on StockX at the moment, just in case anyone wants to sell me one for £200. But that is yet to happen. So... It's on the way, but I think it's a while off. Now, I love my handhelds. Behind me is my Steam Deck. I've just bought a new Pow Kitty device because I absolutely love retro consoles. I take a handheld 
wherever I go. When I'm at the gym, I have a mini handheld that I play when I'm on the treadmill. When I'm walking, I'm always trying to game. But with the PlayStation, I've been dreaming for a long time that we would get a modern PlayStation portable. And they're basically picking up on everything I'm putting down. They're talking about the PS4 games. They're talking about a PS5 game with a patch. I can take a patch. I've got great internet. Download me some patches as long as I can play the PS5 games. But they are also saying we're going to have to wait a while. I didn't think this was going to be just around the corner, but I'm glad we're getting some sprinklings. I'm glad we're getting some breadcrumbs here because we're talking about the PS6 family. And I think if my math is right, that would be around 2028. So we're looking to the future. Maybe we'll have PlayStation VR 3 or 4D by the time that comes out as well. But I think these kind of Twitter posts, they are casting quite a large net outside the specifics of it being the AMD chipset and it being based around PS4 and PS5 games, which probably is quite obvious if we're moving to the PS6 family, we can play our older games on the move. So very welcome news. But again, as I said, quite a large net and it's a while off, isn't it? Yeah, it's miles off. Now, if I was Sony, right, and I was looking at the success for the PlayStation Portal, and I was listening to what the fans want, it's a fucking no-brainer. It's an absolute no-brainer. And if you get it, I mean, Christ, if we're talking PS6 and they're doing PS4 graphics, we'll be pissed. I'm telling you now we will. It's got to run PS5 games. It has to. Like, it just has to. The Steam Deck nails it, right? Like, the Steam Deck is a great compromise. Just base it around that. Just fucking copy that and just get it out and shit it out before the end of the generation. That's what you need to do, Sony. If they wait until PS6 and they're trying to get it so that all the products kind of speak together and it works really, really well, fine. Cool. I can do with saving some money right now. I can do without having to buy this because I will buy it fucking day one, right? 100% I would. I think if they're basing it at PS4 specs, it's going to be way out of date. It has to compete with PS5. It has to. I don't know how they do that, but they got years to make it work. If the Switch 2, the rumors for that is that it's going to run PS4 level games, right? If that can do it, if Nintendo can do it, Sony can fucking make it work. I don't care if that thing weighs fucking 20 kilos. And every time you pick it up, it's like, you know, you've got to plug it in. There's a little portable generator that comes with it. I don't give a fuck. I'd be quite happy to wear a backpack to charge the fucking thing to go out because I really want that kind of portable experience. Look at the Apple VR system that's come out at the moment (laughs) you have to have a little lead coming off into your back pocket because of the battery pack so it's all acceptable these days isn't it it's a compromise of course but i think people are willing to accept those compromises (laughs) for kind of like what they actually want which you're right is the ps5 level of graphics not ps4 because we want them to move things on and things are never you know perfect with handhelds when they launch you know the steam deck was trash when it first launched there was very little games supported it's only now so many years down the line when we're getting an oled version there's just more and more chat because we're at a level where it actually fully works, right? All the graphics work. You can play the more modern games on it. Okay, sometimes you do get compatibility issues between games and kind of the controller and if you're plugging in a keyboard, etc., etc. But those things on the PC side, we always accept. On the PlayStation side, probably not so much. So you'll probably grumble a little bit more, but I'm sensing that actually that compromise wouldn't be so bad if we did get the PS5 level of games. 100%. I mean, the thing about it is, 
Steam Deck kicks ass. It's not for me because it's too much fucking around. So they need to simplify it for uh, for this device. And that's why it kind of makes sense to come out on PS6. And to be that far out, you know, we're talking probably, what, three years away from PS6, which is quite frightening to think of, actually. Um, I always think like this generation is brand new, but now we're like halfway through the gen, which is just wild, isn't it? You know, or maybe even more so than halfway through. Who knows? I just want to play my PlayStation games on the go and not have to stream them. And I still think, even now, all you that bought a PlayStation Portal, <laughs> fucking idiots, man. Like, I, I don't know why you want it. <laughs> I've not changed For that exact reason, bro. Just because you haven't got good internet. That's the only... That's your grumble. That's, that's a you problem. That's not a PlayStation or a Sony problem. That's a you problem. It's like these people trying to play it on a fucking plane, right? Like, where was I the other day? Where was I out and about? I was in... I was in Mega for, for the Indian, and I couldn't get phone signal. Anything like... You problem. Oh, it's just like, it's just not going to work. And all these people are buying it. They're like, oh, so I could play it on the sofa. Like, uh, uh, uh. the only thing you've done, and I'm talking about the collective you now, the only thing these people have done is that they've spurred Sony up the arse to potentially make a proper handheld. And if that's the sacrifice that you all had to make by wasting your money, then thank you. I was wise enough to not buy into this. I'm not going to buy into it, but I will be there fucking day one for a PlayStation Portable 2 or a Vita 2. Fuck me, I will. Do I believe this rumor? Yes. Yes, I do. Because I think now they've seen how successful this is and your sacrifice is for my potential gain. So thank you, every one of you mugs who bought the PlayStation Portal. Thank you so much, because you willed this into existence for me. So thank you ever so much. I believe this. Phil, do you believe this? I love the way you've twisted this into something <laughs> positive for yourself here. But I remember talking about the PlayStation Portal, and I remember saying to you guys, if this is a success, we will get the next PlayStation Vita 2. We'll get the next handheld from Sony. Because all they were testing is the buy-in. All they were testing is the interest. Okay, there's people on social going, yes, I would love one. But people actually put money down for this. And it isn't great, is it? Because as you said, you need to be on great Wi-Fi or sat on the sofa. You can't be in mega playing games, can you? You can't be holding up to try and get signal. That doesn't work, <laughs> does it? No, no. You can't be playing your PlayStation Portal on the move unless you literally live in one of those cities that has super internet somewhere on somewhere in Australia. And if you are in Australia, you'll have all the problems with none of the games bloody being available to you. So, you know, <laughs> it's a catch-22 kind of situation, really, isn't it? You either got good internet or no games, one or the two. So, but for us, right, I've got great internet at home. I would love to be sat in my bed next to my missus playing playstation portal it would be epic <laughs> if i could actually get one but this as you said goes a step further because i can actually play the games without streaming them and it is a perfect solution 
I just cannot wait for it to happen. If they can get it to the same sort of level Steam Deck is at now and have those PS4 games and PS5 games, I'm not so worried. I'm quite interested in playing a PS4 game on the move, but I don't want that to be the standard. The PS5 needs to be the standard. With a patch, that's completely fine. And have the backwards compatibility, yes, sir. PS4, brilliant. Bring me all those games. But PS5 needs to be the standard for this to be a success, for sure. 100%. You, you don't want to go two generations behind. That that feels old then, doesn't it? You know, even when you think about the uh, PlayStation Vita, right? The PlayStation Vita was playing just sub PS3 games. It wasn't far off. Like, you look at how good Killzone Mercenary looks or Uncharted Golden Abyss. They looked great. They looked like really early PS3 games. And that was fine. That was absolutely fine. But if they looked like PS2 games... Nobody would have bought the Vita, and you know, no one fucking did. And you're all, you're all to fucking blame, all you people, right? All of you just didn't buy one. I own two. At one point, I had three. So uh, you know, I'm certainly not the fucking problem here. Some of you guys are, right? Some of you listening, thinking, oh, but I was ten at the time. I didn't have any money. Well, get a fucking paper round and save up. You should have fucking done it. Sure, it would have taken you four weeks worth of paper rounds just to afford a memory card, but that's a you problem. <laughs> I was like 18, 19, <laughs> I had money coming out, it was fine, I had nothing to pay for. But yeah, I, I digress. I, I think you've got to make it so it's at least one gen behind. It, any more than that, and it starts getting ropey. Especially if we're talking like, you know, we're talking what, it'd be like maybe 2028 20, at this point. Are you really going to be like looking at the PS4 library and thinking, yeah, I can't wait for that? Because you'll have such a huge backlog of PS5 games that you'll be wanting to play on your PS6. That, that's the reality you're in at that point. The question here, though, we're talking about this new PlayStation Portable, right? Being able to play PS4 games and PS5 games with a patch during the PS6 generation, okay? But why doesn't the PlayStation Portal get its own games? PlayStation Vita had its own games. PlayStation PSP had its own games. I don't understand why we're just getting older games. Now, I'm happy if we're talking to the PS5 standard. Yes, the graphical fidelity of the PS5, beautiful. Some ray tracing, yes, throw that in there. That would be great. But what I would want is PlayStation Portable 2 games. I don't want PS5 games. I don't really want PS4 games. I want games specifically made for this. Because otherwise... It's, it's, it's even more similar to the PlayStation Portal because it's, it's the same device. You just aren't streaming them. You're just downloading them, which is kind of what we wanted anyway. But we're having to wait till 2028. It's, it's a hard thing, though, then to justify because the, the problem with Vita is that if it did run just PS3 games natively, I think then it, it would have been supported forever right? Because then there's, there's no extra cost associated with it. But when you're having to pull out studios to be able to make, like from the first party, to be able to make games specific for this, you're getting into the same kind of situation that you are for a VR, where you're segmenting the marketplace just that little bit more, and it becomes a lot harder to be able to justify the business decision to be able to invest games in that. Like, say, for example, PS6 comes out and is sold gangbusters like ps5 and first year it sells 12 and a half million 20 million right units do you then say right well we got this device that sold 1.2 million or, or 5 million that we could make a game for or we could try and make our ps6 games which are trying to sell this hardware it's a harder thing to ask for that it's a harder thing and it's the same thing that v that vr's in right now in that 
you can't really take like you know your naughty dogs or your sony bends or any of these studios and say yeah make a vr only game because it sold a couple of million like why would you do that when you've got something that sold 50 million that can still still got legs you know like that's the that's the dichotomy that you're in at that point so i think if it is just a case that it runs these older experiences ps5 games are still going to be being made well into the ps6 generation just like there's still games now that are releasing cross-gen with ps4 ps5 so i think that there still will be a fresh of brand new content coming out for it even if they're not the newest shiniest things now forgive me Davey I was smiling all through that rebuttal because I have slightly set you up on that one because I understand your viewpoint on VR I understand my viewpoint on VR and you've just used my viewpoint as an argument for the solution here so you have now become me in this argument I completely am happy with them putting out PS5 games on a PlayStation Portable 2. The same as Steam Deck. You don't get Steam Deck-specific games. You just get PC games that are playable. So I'm more than happy with that. So I have slightly set you up this, Davey. I do apologise. Playing a little bit of Devil's Advocate, because ultimately, we just want a PlayStation Portable to be able to play the games we love. And you are completely right. To segment the market, to say to our developers now, go out there and create specialised games for the PlayStation Portal, which actually can handle the PS5 games. So why not just have the PS5 games on there? Again, I did set you up this, Davey. I'll give you some chance. I don't think you have, because I think what me and Spencer have been arguing now for a little while is that we don't... And I think I think we all came to this a few episodes back on the podcast, is that we don't think there should be like any VR-first games. That we think that they'd be better off being console and then having VR modes like the same way that they've done with the game that can't be mentioned for now, in that they launch the game, it gets the most sales it possibly can, or with Gran Turismo, for one that I can actually say the, na- the name of the title, right? Gran Turismo comes out, makes a, a bucket ton of money on PS5, and then they think, oh, we can use this to sell our PSVR. Let's add a mode into that. And that's the way that should be. And, and that's the way that I think that all Sony games or any that makes sense to be able to do it for, especially for like a first person or a racing, whatever. Like, for example, if there was a wipeout, you release a wipeout on PS5, few months down the road, guess what's coming to VR? Wipeout VR mode. And it's just that's added in. And that's the way that you can double dip on that audience or give them something back and still support that hardware without the the cost or the the, the price incentive. And that's what we've been kind of arguing for now for a little while. And so it's the same kind of argument for, for this. And, and, and that's the thing. And I, I completely agree with it. Ultimately, we just want the best experience. And we want to be able to play our games in as many places that are still PlayStation as possible. We're not getting into an Xbox conversation here with them going super multi-platform. Before I say platinum, platform. But my point here is that Sony don't need to relearn lessons that they're now learning with PlayStation VR. You're correct in your standpoint now is that you want games to be on PS5 and then come to PSVR 2 as a VR option. But when that game first came out, when PSVR first came out, you had specialized games. So they don't need to relearn that mistake again now with PlayStation Portable 2. Let's get all the naming conventions right. Sony, 
are always guilty of never supporting hardware because they've made this mistake so many times. So let's not make that mistake again. Let's have games available in as many Sony-specific places as possible, be that the PS5, the PS6, the PlayStation VR 2, and the PlayStation Portable 2. Let's just be able to play games throughout. That would be the perfect solution. Absolutely, completely agree. Audience, I would love to know your thoughts on this. How do you feel about the fact that we may have a PlayStation Portable 2 on the horizon? Let us know. Would you like it to be the same way that me and Phil have argued here in as much as that you release a game that's specific for PS5 and then have it available for the PlayStation Portable 2? Or would you like to have its own bespoke catalogue of games? Let us know. Write into the podcast, psvtrust at gmail.com or hit us up on the socials when this episode goes up and we will be certain to talk through it. And if it spins off into more conversation, we will pick it up on episode 86 in a couple of weeks' time. But that has, of course, been episode 85 of In PS We Trust, a PlayStation podcast. If you've enjoyed the show, there's a number of ways that you can support us as a podcast. If you're watching on YouTube and you've watched up to this point, please, for the love of God, put a like on. Subscribe to the channel if you're not already subscribed. Would really, really appreciate that. Comment below your thoughts on anything we've discussed so far, and we will, of course, hit you up in those comments. If you are listening on Spotify, Apple, Google Podcasts, wherever you receive your podcasts in audio form, please put a rating on. It really, really helps us. We are growing up on the Spotify reviews. We're still holding strong on a five-star. So if you do listen anywhere else, I'm going to put a bit of an ask on. If you do listen anywhere else, consider going on to Spotify and listening to a couple of episodes on there because then it gives you the opportunity to review. There's loads of you scattered around the place from Apple, everywhere else. Go on, go on to the Spotify because that is our main metric that we're using for the audio only version and it does help us to grow and find a larger audience. So I would really appreciate your support with that. Of course, This episode is fully just done for the love of it. There is no funding. We don't ask for anything. We've got no Patreon, nothing like that. We just do it for fun. If you are enjoying it, any support does mean the world for us. And it helps to continue us keep on going and struggling on through the barrage of underrepresentation that happens when you're this size. So please, (laughs) please, please help. But that's enough of me crying for your thanks. This, of course, has been episode 85. I hope you've enjoyed it. I've been Davey. I've been Phil. Thank you ever so much, guys. Take care. Peace. In PS We Trust is hosted by Davey, Phil, and Spencer. You can write into the show via our email, pswetrust at gmail.com. Our Twitter is at inpswetrust. To find each of us online, follow our Twitters at ssjdavey, at philiphoy, at spenpie underscore. Thank you for listening. Take care of yourselves. Take care of each other. See ya.